Hey everyone, welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 42. It is Monday, March 5th. Uh, this is a really unique experience for Chris and I. We finally had uh, the chance to um, conduct our first interview on the podcast. This will obviously be first of many um, and uh, a totally humbling experience as our first guest is what I would consider a living legend in the cigar community, a very humble, a very authentic person, um, and it was absolutely one of the best conversations I've had. Um, and of course, I'm talking about none other than co-owner of Crown Heads, Mr. John Huber. Right. <laughs> That's literally been me the past uh, the past week. I've slept well. The last two nights, I've slept on the couch because my fiance is like, "Nope, you're coughing too much, so you get to sleep I, on the uncomfortable couch." That's my my thing too. Like if I'm coughing a lot, like it was about a, two months ago, I got really sick, and then uh, Laura was just like, "No, you got to go." So like for a week, I was sleeping like in the guest room, and it's a long story. It's just kind of goofy, but we have a cat that lives in this guest bedroom that stays in that bedroom and the cat's got his own room. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You don't, don't even ask, but yeah, he, my brother-in-law's cat. So I, we kept it and he, he stays there. And so I'm like sleeping in that bed and the damn cats, like clawing my head. I'm like, cuddles, get off me, get off me. You know, I hope you're not allergic room. to cats. No, 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 not at all. Okay. Well, did you say your cat's name is cuddles? It's not my cat. It's my brother-in-law's cat. Okay, your brother. For the, okay. last, for the last three years, we've kind of adopted it because he couldn't he couldn't keep it. So we're like, we don't want to, don't want to kick the cat to the yeah. curb. So, so yeah, I would never name my personally. I wouldn't name my cat Cuddles. No, thank you. But uh, I kind of like it. It doesn't suit you. <laughs> no, dude. It's uh, yeah. But if you saw the cat, he's like this. This I think he's a Russian blue. Oh, dude. Yes. And they're like, it's all. He's all gray, and he's massive. He's like. 30 pounds of cat and it's just like he's huge he's so he's just like, so he's like a bobcat like, <laughs> yeah really i'm not shitting i'm not seriously he's uh you know it's like most cats you can't hear him walking cuddles is like boom 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 and god lord yeah so, there's a tank with little paws basically yeah. jeez that's a big cat that's yeah, a dog a that's like that's like I a know. medium-sized dog well we have another we have a dog that we rescued and uh her name is flower <laughs> that's that's true and uh <laughs> it, she's only like 12 pounds so she's you know half the size of cuddles the cat so it's like yeah yeah oh, that's man. weird what what kind of dog is it she is uh we call her a pom de terre because my wife actually did a dna test on her <laughs> this is way too much information but she's part pom we the dna came back pomeranian and terrier and and something else and so, but so i just i narrowed it down to palm de terre so I, that's how i remember it it's like ancestry.com for animals yeah they I do know, that it man. Is. <laughs> that's it crazy is. i don't even know my own i don't know my own dna shit but I, I got we got the dogs done so the dog is like you know we got to, we got her straight but uh yeah that's a funny story too because we we both when we first started dating we both discover that we like newfoundlands and i've always been a big oh, dog Newfies, right I, yeah i love newfies right so i love big dogs i always had big dogs like labs and 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 you know i had a, a pit mix and just big dogs yeah and then we rescued this little tiny dog and that became our our newfie so yeah how, do, how does it from going one to another because i 
I've got two pit mixes now, and I've been acclimated to big dogs for a long time. But my fiance wants to get a pug, and yeah, uh, cool. and and I've been um, I've been trying to keep that at bay because I'm like I can't play with a small dog. Do you? What's... Oh no, I love her. I mean, okay. she's great. She's great. I mean, we've had Flower for like seven years now. But... Okay, so I'll make sure that my fiance doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I still want a big dog. It's funny because we moved, we left the city, and we we this is before we had flour and we we wanted when we were leaving the city we were like we met with the real estate agent and then he's like what do you want what's your priorities and I said, well we got to have at least an acre because we're gonna get a noof so we got to have a big fucking yard and you know acre plus we long story short we end up with 2.3 acres oh, and then geez. we had, then we rescue the dog <laughs> and we can't get a noof and so we got this little tiny like you know <laughs> three acres with way more acres on, yeah two acres you know, like, <laughs> so yeah but uh, so did you get to so you live in nashville right we live about 28 miles outside of nashville okay, i used to live in the city better. for a long time yeah I, dude it's nashville's just you know everybody says it's the it city i call it the shit city because it's like the traffic has become abysmal. crazy right yeah as a, there's like you know you can't throw a rock without hitting a, a new restaurant popping up and which is you know it's all all well and good but it's just like when i moved here in 95 or something like that um, a completely different vibe in the city. It was really kind of a sleepy town with a cool little underground vibe to it. Good music scene, what have you. And now that, that everything that I, that I loved about Nashville is gone. It's like absolutely gone. It's overdeveloped. By, way overdeveloped. Yeah, yeah. It's, it reminds me. And I heard this, I was just in, um, I was in Denver a few months ago and we went to Boulder and they were talking about the development of Boulder kind of the same way. And they're like, Oh, you know, Nashville's, you know, the East coast of, what is happening with Boulder and what's happened with Austin is that, you know, it's a desirable place to live and now it's just booming. It's yeah. Good and bad, you know, and it's driving people away in terms of like locals that can't even afford to live there anymore. It's like, just, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you for instance, man. Like when I, when I flew home Tuesday, you know, it was hop of plane from Honolulu to LA, LA to Nashville and the LA to Nashville leg, we caught a tailwind. So it was a little over three hours. We were hauling ass. Well, that was to get from Nashville to get from LA to Nashville was a little over three hours to get from the airport to our house, which was, it's probably maybe 20 miles, 15 miles. took me two hours. Jeez. That's insane. I know. So I'm jet lagged. I'm tired. I've been up all for 24 hours and and I'm sitting in traffic for two hours to get home. Yeah, that's painful. Dude, that was like me in New York. I was stuck in the Holland Tunnel for over an hour oh, outside Manhattan. It was obnoxious, dude. It is. It's just like this is no quality of life. I'd say. And then the following night, so I come into the office the next day, which is Wednesday, and then it takes me another two hours to get home that night. I thought, okay, shit. I'm like texting my wife sitting there in traffic. I'm like, I've had it. I'm done. Let's go. We're moving. I'm like, it's just... <laughs> I fucking can't handle it. It's just ridiculous. So, so, so if you if you had to pick another place to move, where where would you go? Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> don't even yeah. get out of here with that. Oh yeah, man. Oh, it, that's on the it's on the list. I'm trying to scheme in a way of of, of figuring like, well, I can probably you know I can Skype Condor and, and Adam, and I we can run the business, and I could be in Hawaii. And, I mean, you I, legitimately I did, you know, could. How did the uh, yeah, I could. How did could. the Peñolo, uh event go? It went really well. In fact, it was, this is what our fourth year of doing it. And this by far was in terms of sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was by far, we set a record for the retailer for our field wine company. We, 
we actually beat Arturo Fuentes' uh, record. They had the record previous to that yeah. this year. Yeah, and we, we killed it. I mean, I would give you a number, but you'd be like, what? And would, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, you can just say crazy. it went awesome, and yeah, yeah that's, that's good. It was, it was beyond. I mean, they sold out the event. It was 125 seats was the max capacity. They sold out 125 tickets at 90 bucks a ticket, and then everybody that came in spent oodles of money and supported us, and it was just it was amazing. At the end of the three hours, I was just like, we did what? I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Oh. So no, from a business standpoint, it was, it was, it was great. And, um, the people there are just so supportive and so nice and so, uh, just welcoming and friendly and, and, and legitimately. So not fake, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like this, it, but they really are. They're just like, just, it's a different vibe, a different culture. I just, I love it. I love it there. And I mean, if I could live there at some point down the road, That'd be a huge, huge thing. What so, what part of Hawaii was it in? I don't know that I asked Oahu. you before. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. I, I, you know, I've been there. This is the fourth year we're doing it, and people ask me, you know, we're, we're, I'm like, I still get confused because people say, oh, no, Hawaii is, is the, all the islands, and there's the big island. Were you on the big island? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I yeah. was in Honolulu, which is the capital, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I beat the shit out of me. I mean, we were in Waikiki. We always stay at Waikiki okay. Beach. We yeah. stay at the same hotel every year, and... You do the same event every year at the same hotel every year. So yeah, I was wondering because that's that's where uh, when I went a couple years ago, I was in North Shore, which is on Oahu. Yeah, so same place. That's Waimea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Waimea. So we were in Waimea Bay, which was awesome. I went uh, shark diving with no cage. That Waimea was is so cool. <laughs> I, we 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 I our rep that lives out there, John. I said last year we. I said this year I just want you to take me to North Shore. I just want to see Waimea. I want to see where Eddie mm-hmm. Aikau was. And I want to see where all these surfers are. It was just like. Did you oh, get to man. see, because so the surf is really crazy, I think, this time mm-hmm. of year. So did you see, like, just the killer waves on North Shore? Last year, was it last year or the year before? It was the year before. You know, you guys, are you guys familiar with the Eddie? It's the, the, the Eddie Ical Invitational, I think it's with Quicksilver. Yeah, they but have the Quicksilver they, house that's right on the beach right there, right, too. Right, right, right. So they only, the Eddie is like, there's a period of, I think, from December to the end of February, that if the only if the waves are at a certain point, They'll they'll say okay go and like everybody comes from all over the world like Australia California everywhere and all these surfers the top surfers go out there and it's only it's only been like one time in the last I don't know how many years that the, the waves were just right to actually run the eddy and we were there and it was like I think it was 2015 16 something like that and we were there for the eddy and it was just chaos you couldn't get anywhere near that place Dang, yeah that's awesome. It's yeah, it's really it's definitely intense. When when we went there, it was crazy because it was during the summer, so the waves were not as treacherous as they usually are. But mm-hmm. I watched this little fat kid get sucked in. <laughs> he was standing right on the edge, and it literally like it was just up to his knees, but it sucked him in and pulled him almost thirty feet out. And I was like, oh my gosh! I mean, he made it yeah. back to the. But I was like, not even in its peak period. It's just treacherous. Do you remember? Shoot, we, you know. we were just at Waikiki, which yeah. the waves are nothing there. That's right. like, you know, beginner level stuff, right? So yeah. I'm just playing with our, our daughter, AJ, and, the, and she's just getting into the water. She's like two and a half. And it was like, I could feel the undertow just, and she would like get sucked back. And I'd be like standing behind her, like, you know, like getting a ground ball, picking her up, you know, yep. off of the, off of the beach. It was, um. Yeah, it's 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 something, man. You got to respect the water out there. Yeah, sure. it's intense, and I, and I agree with yeah. you as far as the culture. Like in North Shore, those not so much in Waikiki, but in North Shore, they are some of the most humble people I've ever met in my entire life, and just incredibly hard Definitely. workers. But when they're not Definitely. working, they're surfing. It's insane. Man, it's, I'll tell you, it's like I mean, 
I see the same faces <laughs> when I go back there for that event. Like I've seen the same faces four years running kind of thing. And, but you, you really only spend like a few minutes with everybody. But like, for instance, like I met this one guy and he said, <clears throat> he, he sent me a text like the next day. He said, Hey, if you guys aren't doing anything, come to my house. We're having a barbecue, like maybe only 12 people, but you're more than welcome. And da, da, da. I mean, think about that it's like just invite me and i'm like i'm a stranger for all intent and purposes but that's how they are they're just like come over you know we'll have, smoke some cigars we'll have a barbecue da, 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 da. just nice man it's just like real people just real genuine people not fake you know so yeah I, they really are it, it was yeah, an incredible experience yeah if i could live anywhere else i think i would i would live there my wife keeps telling me well no if we live here you know we're not going to be able to be you know we're staying at this hotel and we're seeing the best of the best and this that and the other but i said yeah but still it's just there's something about the the culture and the vibe and the people and, and the food and, and the beach and i've always felt like the only place i'm actually really like centered and relaxed is, is by the ocean yes Whether, you know i gotta be by water you know for yeah. some reasons so. yeah and you're nowhere near it right now <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i actually the reason why we moved where we moved is because we're across from a lake which is oh, that's nice really it's like, you know, the same but different kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, we're we're across from a lake and I just I like just being close to water for some yeah. reason. So I'm with yeah. you. All the people I know who were I know a couple of people were born in Hawaii, one person in particular, and uh he's like itching to go back there and he came over because of the Air Force and hasn't left. And he yeah. just he wants so that's why I was over there a few years ago and his family lives on North Shore and they don't live in a big house. It's very modest, but he's like you know, the same, same thing is the quality of life there is just completely different. And that's what they value, which is really cool to see. So it's a lot different see, than I, it is in, in the, in the United States as it is in the 48. So. Absolutely. And I mean, I'd be happy in a shanty as long as I could see the water, but my wife wouldn't be happy in a shanty. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I'm dealing with. But, um, it's all good. No. It's all good. Well, hey, um, we definitely appreciate you joining us today. So this is awesome. And it'd be good for our listeners as well. I'll be fun. Then. Um, looking forward to it. <clears throat> yeah. So just so you know, we've been recording this entire time. Uh, <laughs> I, felt it, I figured as much, you know, I was like, there was no like test, test one, two, three. So, yeah. yeah. We, we like to just sneak up on you. That's okay. Um, That's okay. Yes. Yeah, so, cool. so, so there's obviously a lot of anticipation for us around this and, um, you know, for me, and this is more of a personal thing, sure. I've I've read into obviously your history and your background um, to a degree as far as when you started with CAO and then kind of branching off and doing your own thing. But I have to I have to know this because I, I I'm curious when I talk to anybody who gets into cigar smoking. How did you get into cigars in the first place? Mm. How did I get into cigars in the first place? It was totally uh, by accident. Um, I had moved to nashville from la and i was on on a, getting ready to go back to northern california to visit my parents for i think it was thanksgiving and i was like kind of like looking for like a gift for my my father and i'm like what's a manly kind of a gift or whatever you know and um and i saw this it was weird very serendipitous but i saw this place called uptown smoke shop in green hills in nashville and i saw cigars cigars are, are kind of a cool gift yeah so I walk into this cigar store and there's, it was packed. This was like 1995, I think. 
and it's packed with people smoking and hanging out. And I walk in this in this humidor, and it, like the smell just hit me. Like this this it was all Spanish cedar and tobacco. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good in here. Yeah. And so one of the employees come up to me and he says, hey, you know, do can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, because I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, long story short, he puts together a little assortment of cigars, take them back to Northern California, sit out on my by my you know parents' patio or whatever, and we're smoking cigars. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. Come back to Nashville a few weeks later, I see this magazine in a wine store. I was buying some wine, and it was Cigar Aficionado, and it was like George Burns was on the cover is what I remember. And I bought that, and I took it back, and I'm like, I was just sucked in right away. And, um, you know, the more I kind of educated myself, the more I kind of geeked out on it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I'm being called to do. And so I started to write letters Oddly enough, I just like I, I go page by page and see a company. I write a letter. Hi, my name is John Hubert. Da, 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 you know, send over whatever. And I, you know, most of the the companies that I that I reached out to didn't respond to me. Um, and the, you know, the ones that did were like, no. You know, in fact, I still at some point I I even wrote a letter to Gordon Mott, who was the senior editor of Cigar Aficionado magazine. Mm-hmm. And I pitched myself as their southeastern correspondent. I mean, how naive is that, right? But he was kind enough to send me a very nice thank you, no, go fuck yourself letter. So <laughs> I, I kept that as a memento. I'm like, well, at least somebody responded to me. And so I, I literally go through this whole magazine and I get to the very last ad and I see this ad and it says CAO International. At the bottom, it says 830 Kendall Drive, Nashville, Tennessee. I'm like, what are the odds? You know, I'm in Nashville now and this is guys in Nashville, Tennessee. So I send a letter nothing it's like crickets and then about four months later i get a call and a voicemail on and it's from the, the, as it turns out john Oskin, who was the owner of little cao saying i got your letter you know would you want to come in for an interview i'm like yeah so i called him back we set up an interview and then i had a second interview and he said you know i really appreciate your interest and everything but we don't really need anything right now except for a shipping manager i'm like i'm your guy i'll be the best shipping manager in the industry I <laughs> dude i knew nothing about shipping all i said i was working a temp job in nashville at the time making you know no money and um i said just pay me what i'm making now and i'll, I'll, I'll jump ship and he's like all right let's go so that's that's literally how i got my start just by you know being stupid and naive enough to like think that somebody would hire me i couldn't even get a job in a local retail tobacconist i went back to that store where i bought the cigars uptowns yeah. and i remember the guy uh i went there and i, I called him up can i get a job? seven bucks an hour wouldn't hire me he said no we don't need you and then a year later that guy came in to interview at cao and oh he wow. actually came to me and i was like yeah sorry we don't need you <laughs> so Karma, bitch. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting, man. It was, it, was, it was quite a ride. So, but yeah, I was only shipping manager for about five months, and then I, I kind of worked my way up behind the scenes. And um, yeah, it's just the rest is history, man. And CAO was relatively small at that time, or was it new at that oh, time? No, it was very small, very new. It was, um, you know, it was like nothing. It was just literally had just Jono had had at that point had been like storing cigars in his wine cellar at his house. Oh, 830 wow. Kendall was his, his actual residential address. And that was what was in the ad. Nobody knew that. And then he found a little shanty of an office space on OCO Lab. And so I started there. They had just gotten out of the house kind of thing. And that was before Tim moved out. It was before anything. It was a very, very ground floor kind of thing. Um, and so I started there. There was kind of a group of us that started at the same time. I started there. 
Adam Shepard started there. Adam, who works with Crown Heads now, so we're still together. We're, you know, mm-hmm. go way back. Um, a couple other people, and yeah, we were just really we didn't know any better. We just we just kind of jumped on, and it worked out. You know, if you fast forward, the trajectory was pretty rapid. Um, you know, I think it was in 2006 when they sold for the first time to Winterman. It was either six or eight, something like that. Um, and they sold for a buttload of money and, uh, that was it. And, you know, CIO was never the same, but it was a fun ride while it lasted. It really was. I and mean, I had some good memories of that place and made some great friendships and, and, and really got my undergrad degree in, in the cigar business really is what it amounted to. Right. Yeah. One of the cool things I, uh, noticed you, your, your boss at the time at CIO was kind of talking about, if you have ideas, just like figure out how to make it happen. That it, was John yeah, he was, you know, John will always be like one of my life mentors, not just cigar, but life. I mean, he was like, his whole mantra was like, make it happen. Yeah. You know, as simple as it sounds. And it's just like his his message to all of us, because we were all young when we started there. And his message to all of us was like, you can do it. Really, you can do anything. Just go for it. Don't be afraid. And if you if you fail, so you fail. But at least try. Make it happen. And a lot of things, a lot of things came out of that. Like we had no fear of going for anything. Like, you know, somebody came into the office one day, for instance, and said, oh, I'm seeing a lot of cigars on the Sopranos, you know, how can we get our cigars on the set? You know, here we are, this like little, you know, startup business in Nashville. Who's going to pay attention to us when you got Fuente, Padron, Davidoff, da 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 Cubans, all this. I was like, yeah, let's go for it, you know? <laughs> and um, we did. I, I, I went to a product placement guy that had been courting us. And I, I called him up and I said, I don't want any product placement deals. I said, I just want one show in particular. I want the Sopranos. Tell me what that's worth to you. And we, that's how we started. And that's how we got on the show. And that's how that the CAO was the cigar as seen on the Sopranos and it became the Sopranos edition and all that stuff. And it was yeah. just, we went for it, man. Yeah. So I'm staring at a poster of Tony Soprano <laughs> right now, that's, holding a cigar. So that is a CAO cigar, correct? Uh, it could be. It looks like a, it it's be. a set poster. I have it framed. I've, I have a weird obsession with the Sopranos and Cigar, so it, it fits nicely in my man cave. But that's interesting. That's actually a really cool story. So it's uh, so you guys took chances on things that uh, it sounds like similar to your inception in the cigar industry. Just hey, throwing things out there and seeing where you can where you can fit in. That no fear yeah. type attitude has led to yeah, what sounds like, like some amazing things. It was like fearless and ignorance combined, you know, it's just like, hey, not, was not so a bad naive. combination. Not at all. Not at all. That's, that's, that's kind of like, um, you know, that's our message now at Crown Edge, you know, carve your own path. It's like, you could, you literally can do anything you want and you could just, it's, you know, life's in a blank check, fill in the amount. You can do what you want. You just gotta, I think what holds back the majority of people is just fear of failure. But if you fail so what you need to try you're never going to know unless you try you got to yeah. go for it yeah and that, that was really what i learned from cao more than anything more than uh anything about tobacco or cigars or anything i just learned how to go for it you know and how to not be scared how to make things happen and, and just really create your own destiny more or less yeah and you just, so. John, you just previously said, um, I think through a first initial CAO acquisition, and you said after that, things are never the same. Is that yeah. that never the same kind of what led you to branch into the Crown Heads brand and, and start that yeah. whole thing? Yeah, you know, I mean, when we, 
and again, I'm, I'm uh, somebody can correct me because I can't remember the, the exact year, but when the initial acquisition sales sold to a company called Henry Winterman's, and when that was made an, uh, an announcement to us, we were all very dumbfounded. It was kind of like, you know, all the employees were like, what does what what just happened? You know, kind of thing. And you know, there's a lot of restructuring and this and that. But of course, they came in and said the usual corporate line: nothing's going to change. Yeah. We we acquired you because we love what you're doing. So just keep doing what you're doing. Well, you know, we all naively believed that and bought that line. And then, you know, maybe two years later, Winterman's was acquired by STG, which is, owns General. And so it was like, you know, the little fish gets swallowed by the big fish and the big fish gets swallowed by the bigger fish and, you know, that whole story. And, you know, then things rapidly changed. Then all of a sudden you were seeing people in, in the office that I'm like, who is that? I don't know, you know, some guy from Europe and some guy from here, some guy from there. You know, by the, by 2010, those guys in jumpsuits coming in measuring planters in my office, and I'm like, what are they doing here? And they're like, oh, they're they're going to take that to Richmond, Virginia. And they want to make sure it fits in the office. I'm like, what? You know, so yeah, so things do change. I mean, if anybody goes through that process where they get acquired and they they're told that things won't change, everything changes, man. Everything changes eventually. And so in 2010, that was kind of you know we all saw the writing on the wall. And, um, you know, my, my philosophy at that time was I'm just going to ride the wave all the way to the shore, basically. In other words, like I started with these guys and I'm going to take it all the way in and see where it ends up. And so, you know, I was getting, I got a few offers from other people and, and other companies, and, you know, kind of put, I didn't really put my, my feet in the water in terms of, you know, uh, exploring other options. I just kind of figured the right thing would present itself at the right time. And then maybe... I don't know, six months before we left, Mike Condor, who was actually my boss at CAO at the time, after the restructuring, he became the the head of marketing. And so I was reporting to Mike. Mike said, do you want to do something after this? And it was literally that casual. Like, do you want to do something together after this? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So that was it. That was it. It was like on a handshake and an agreement and a nod. And I'm like, cool. So um, and then December the 10th, or excuse me, December 17th, 2010 was our last day at CAO. And it was a very unceremonious last day, you know, of a career. I just literally took everything in my office that said CAO on it. And I took a huge trash can and dumped it all, you know, whether it was press clippings or post, whatever the heck it was, I just, I trashed it all. I'm like, I'm starting all over again from scratch. So once I dumped everything, I walked out the front door met up with some people for a few drinks that night um went to a party and the next day i was like okay let's let's get on to the next chapter that was it i had a very similar experience yeah really i think i did too something close to that i was uh so my my background (laughs) is definitely not in cigars like most of my career i've been a marketing and designer type of guy and Mm -hmm. software designer and i worked for an agency in our city and um I was kind of one of those people that was ambitious to like be at the ground level with, with the organization and Uh kind of like be one of those people that I could say, yeah, I helped grow this company. I just wasn't along for the ride. And uh, so uh, through that, like we went through the whole economic decline in 2008 and our agency was suffering from it really badly. A lot of Uh internal poor decisions, um, some really shady shit went down 
but I decided to stick it out with a, uh, one of my best friends, um, till the very end. And it was June 6th, 2010. I lost my it's job. Funny how it's funny you remember how the, the date, date stands yeah. out, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you I always can't remember, remember what happened dinner two nights ago, but I remember that date very vividly in my mind. Of they course, they yeah. didn't give me my last paycheck. They basically yeah. just said leave. Yeah. And I, I walked out with like nothing. And uh, my old um, college professor reached out to me. He's like, hey, you remember this like grab TV thing? Long story short, it's an interactive TV software that he has been okay. touting for a long time. And uh, he's like, remember that grab TV thing? He's like, yeah. And I was like sitting with him at a McDonald's with this other guy, his partner, who I've never seen before. And I was just a little kind of like off put by it. kind of. Right. <laughs> it was like the day after I lost my job. He's like, do you want to? He's like, I can show you opportunity. I can't promise anything, but I can show you opportunity. If you want in, I'd like you to be my partner and we could try to make grab TV happen. And my best friend who also lost his job at the time, I said yes. And he said no. And I've been basically trying to get this ridiculous company off the ground (laughs) for the last eight years. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They've been doing it for a long time. Keep at it. If it's in your heart, just keep, just go for it. The you know TV I mean? industry like, is a pain in the ass. I can't even imagine. I mean, the scar industry is such a small little, you know, carbuncle pimple on the butt <laughs> of the whole business world. It's like tiny, you know yeah, what I mean? It it's is. like, and it, you know, we still have challenges and struggles and, and, you know, we go through so much on the day to day and it is stressful, but I can't even imagine with something that appeals to the masses, like, TV. I was like, oh, I don't know. I just, oh. It's yeah. one of the most political and slow-moving corporate type of bullshit you'll ever imagine. Yeah, uh-huh. it's crazy. That's what that's what turned me off. Like, because to be honest with you, full disclosure, like I was offered the opportunity to move to Richmond, Virginia, with General Cigar, and I remember, you know, being in the room with the, the powers that be at that time. This, okay, well, what do you think? I mean, their, their pitch was so it wasn't even like, here's how much we'll pay you, nothing. They're like, well, would you like to move to Richmond? No. Yeah. And they're like, and they're like, well, no, you think about it. I'm like, no, I thought yeah. about it. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> oh, think, give it a couple of days. I'm like, no, you, here's your answer, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. You know, <laughs> that's it. Ball game. So, yeah. You know, and it's just because I just didn't want to be part of that whole corporate BS. You know, I didn't want to be in a, into, you know, I didn't want to wear a polo shirt and say, do you want mild, medium, or full? At a, a yeah. retail store and yeah. that was not my life plus i you know i just started i started dating my, my girl who's now my wife at the time and i'm like i'm just i got too much i have son here i'm like i got too much invested in nashville i'm not leaving something else will happen the right thing will present itself and i'm faithful to that and, and i stuck it out so it all you know knock on wood so up to this point it's worked out pretty good hell yeah you know i yeah. I, I have to say this um I have just a rewind back to the CAO thing. I have a CAO vision that I've oh. been sitting in my cooler door. I got it from some weird back location stock of a place in Chicago. They took me okay. back to their exclusive room. <laughs> they they took me to uh, the little, oh, you know, lit up blue humidor it came mm-hmm. in. And mm-hmm. uh, I pulled one of those bad boys out and I've had it ever since. Just sat with my cool door. I'm just gonna say for the record, that was not my fault. <laughs> it's the most gimmicky thing I ever Dude, saw in my life, and I'm like, no, I have to have this. I, no, absolutely <laughs> gimmicky, and that was like, 
I remember when we were sitting in, in the offices talking about that particular project. And I said, you know, with, with this and at that time, the reason why we wanted that blend was because we had exhausted all the different variances on the portfolio. We had freaking, you know, double Maduro's, double this, double that, Brasilia, Italia, you know, it's just like on and on and on. And I started to feel like it was getting gimmicky. And I'm like, here's a cigar from La Aurora's factory that's one click away from Cien Años in terms of blend that really smokes great. And it's a Dominican made cigar. We don't have that in our portfolio, but let's 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 shock people. Let's change the gears, put it in understated packaging, very minimalistic kind of a vibe. Let the cigar speak for itself. That was my, you know, interjection on that project. And other people were like, no, you know what? iPods are really cool right now. Oh, and, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that so does make sense. <laughs> Holy shit. So, so let's make it in a box that lights up that you can use as a humidor afterwards and da 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 da. And then you get, you know, your free decoder ring with it when you find it. <laughs> I was just like, no, no, come on. Are you serious? No, 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 no. This is so wrong. And, you know, and, and I said, you know, the perception is going to be because at that time, I think it, the, the range in the retail was like 12 to 17. And I said, people are not stupid. They're going to say, I'm paying for this stupid light up box. box. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. If it's cool, they'll buy it. It's cool, they'll buy it. I'm like, you're wrong. You're wrong on this one. I'm telling you, you're wrong on this one. This oh, is a great blend. Man. Don't fuck it up. And, you know, this the rest is history. We, we you know, eventually wrote it off. All the packaging was written off as a loss and it was a complete fiasco. And, <laughs> Yeah, you know. And but, here I am, the asshole that buys one hey, in 2016. One. <laughs> Sorry, it's actually a pretty. You know, at the time it was a pretty good cigar. I, you know, that was probably uh, 2008, seven when it came out, something yeah. like that. You know, and cigar aficionado put it in their magazine. It's like I think it was the number seven in the top 25 that year. Some bullshit. You know. <laughs> That's yeah. all. That's all pay to play anyway. So it's like whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think most. I think most people have realized that, and I know a lot of people are speaking out more as far as the the kind of the top twenty five every single year and yeah. what makes it and what doesn't. It's. I don't think it's an unknown thing. I think most people no. can infer. So. I think people aren't stupid, and honestly, I, I don't. I don't begrudge that magazine at all. I'm like, if I was, if I own a magazine, and I'm in the magazine business. Right. I am going to take care of the people that support me. In other words, right. like the people that that buy eight, ten, twelve pages. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a little nod here then why wouldn't you of course yeah. it's good business right, right? Yep. so but you know is that you know and they always preface it with like this is just our opinion you know this is just our this is you know this is not really the the bible but uh, let's face it i mean there yeah. are so many if you took the bands off there are so many other cigars that probably <sighs> deserve you know like uh, I, I've always like it's funny, man. Every year when the top twenty-five is getting ready, we, there's like almost a tradition. Like Pete Johnson and I like start texting each other back and forth. Like, okay, well, here's my prediction. Here's your prediction. Here's, you know, we always go through this whole like the whole conspiracy theory of who's going to get what. <laughs> but it's it's gotten over the years. It's gotten so easy to predict. Yeah, I you mean, can get really accurate with it. There's Fuentes. Yeah, that's I always can, I makes can tell top you, Yeah, and it was like this year was even easier to predict. And, um, but I mean, the, you know, let's, I mean, to me, I think there's numerous releases that like Tatois has done it. That should have gotten cigar of the year. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. You know, it's like you know, Tatois Braun label doesn't get the, the near the respect they get from that magazine. And, and again, it's because probably they don't take out as many pages as say brand X or brand Y or brand Z or whatever. So I get it. I get how the game's played and it's cool, it, but it creates 
an interest and a buzz and a focus on the industry. So I applaud them for doing that. Right. So I'm not, you know, I just don't begrudge people get say, do you, you get upset because your cigars? Not? No, I don't. You know, I really don't. It's just, it's, it is what it is. The only thing I, I, f- I find is kind of crippling about it. And I think that's where we've kind of, kind of fit a niche is that there's a lot of really good smaller labels and brands that have come out in the last mm-hmm. five, six years and they have some sticks that we've rated as highly as some of the biggest names you can come and find and come across. The problem is, is that they just need a little bit of help promoting and getting their sticks out there, whether it's through retail sure. or online type of marketing. And we we get hit up so much from these smaller brands, um, like try our stuff, please review it and talk right. about it on the podcast. And I'll tell you, we've reviewed some that I'm serious oh, yeah. are are up there with the, yeah, the elite. lights out good mm-hmm. yep I, I believe it i really do i mean um you know and and i'm sure those guys reaching out to you that they're all about like let's do some native marketing let's do some, yep. something that's got some you know uh the narrative is actual real real it's not just like two guys in a tobacco field and brioni suits you know what i mean it's like <laughs> right yeah. It's just a different level, and uh, you know, if you if you want to rate it on just tobacco and flavor and taste and profile and construction, that's one thing. But when you start getting into the whole marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. yep. it's, it's right. then it, it it changes the animal altogether. Yep, it's it's taken me twenty years to figure that out. Yeah, well, I, it I got it. it. It muddies the authenticity of the process as a whole. Where I think no a lot question. of people really want to understand what's the best out there. And yeah. we try to communicate that as much as possible based on our subjective opinions, which is what it is. But, you know, as to, to kind of remove the monetary piece of it that would exist with like a cigar aficionado, I think sure. I would love to see more of that. So, so John, who's your favorite publication or, or if you're doing a launch or release, what, what route do you like to go with with, with, uh, with, a, with a certain publication or how do you like to get the word out there? I mean, I think, I mean, to this point, like the, the avenue that speaks – broadest you know horizontally to our audience is probably half wheel i mean um just because i think that they've done a great job at creating content on a daily basis oh it's yeah it's you can't keep up with it it's it's tough for me to keep up with it i remember when charlie had his own blog and brooks had his own blog and then they got together and and um i remember actually charlie calling me i was at uptown smoke shop ironically and He was like, what do you think of these two names? One of them was Half Wheel, one was the other one. And I actually voted for Half Wheel, so I'd like to feel a little bit. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they've done an an amazing job. And I think that that speaks to Crown Head's audience a little bit more effectively and to the point than, say, if I took out a page in uh, Cigar Aficionado magazine. Because, I mean, most of the guys that pick up Cigar Aficionado – Maybe they're cigar enthusiasts on the occasional basis, and they may want to go for that whole, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, name brand thing. Like, oh, I want a Monte Cristo. Right. You don't know anything. You don't know anything about Monte Cristo. You know, you don't know that there's actually a a cigar that's made outside of Cuba that's called Monte Cristo. You know, right. These guys don't know, right? So that's right. the occasional cigar smoker that also likes fifty thousand dollar watches and hundred thousand dollar cars. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> that's not my customer. My customer is is who I am. I think that's who I speak to, which is like the cigar geek, the guy that wants to, the craft beer guy that wants to find the new, up and coming. What's this? This this you know, look closer, look closer still, and as you get back, you really dive down deep into the brand, 
that's and so yeah i mean i to this point i've literally just just send a text to charlie and say hey i got a story for you and then i'll publish it and that's that's really how we get the word out that and social media you know i do all the twitter and i do all the instagram stuff so that's to this point and we're seven years into this thing and that's all i've ever used in terms of quote-unquote advertising it's very native it's very authentic organic it's not thought up it's not some ad agency figuring this shit out it's it's just us you know and what you see is what you get i think coupled with that too the product and I think most people would agree, at least the listeners that, you know, listen to our show who have who have experienced any sort of crown head product as a whole would agree that the the product is a, is a really good balance, obviously, because it speaks for itself to maybe even some of the limited advertisement. Your product stands out as far as the quality goes. And I think most people would agree with that. So you're the good thing is, is you're building something that people love and admire and they're waiting for the next iteration. Like what's the next thing? Um, so that's always, I know that's been me with the crown heads product. The first crown heads cigar I think I had was the Jericho Hill OBS. OBS. Yeah. Um, and then I was hooked from there yeah. on. I was like, all right, I'm in for sure. And it was, what's the next iteration. And then I fell in love with the Las Calaveras 2014. Oh, God. And, and by the way, the 2017 oh, oh, was yeah. amazing. The 17 was thank really you. good. So, you know, I think it, it's hard for me to even say thank you to any of those comments because I like I feel, in my opinion, and I've been doing this for a very long time, most of my life. And I feel like all those accolades, whenever you say, oh, this is where I was great. It really goes back to the the factory the factory right. owners the people making the cigars and the tobacco that came from the soil i mean it sounds corny and cliche but i don't think enough guys in like my position as quote-unquote brand owners give the the homage to the people that really do you know shine a light on them as much as they should it, guys sit back and go, oh thanks man you know it took me 25 blends to get to that blend bullshit i'm sorry it's bullshit you know it's like you if you are smart in this industry and you partner yourself with with good people and you find the right tobaccos it's not i don't want to say it's not that hard but your job as a brand owner is not to fuck it up period. right right so i mean what, everything you guys said i appreciate but i'd like to like divert the the accolade to either the garcia family at my father's cigars or to ernesto perez carrillo at, at tobacco la alianza because they're really the people that make us look good as brand owners. Yeah, I'll be honest. I kind of want to retract my statement to you now and just reach out to those people directly and give them a huge okay. thank you. I'm just kidding. All right. No worries. Um, yeah, no, that that was um, no, that very well stated. And I, I, I agree with you. There's there's a, I think more there's way more going behind the scenes, I think, when what people realize and for the geeks like for myself and, and for Chris and obviously for you. Uh, you understand what that process is from inception to end, you know, to when it actually gets into a consumer's hands. And there's a lot of appreciation that is to be had across all levels. Um, And that's one thing that I absolutely admire about cigars as a whole and really kind of what attracted me to cigars from an early on kind of young age is just the, not only the history, but it's so artisan and it's so, it's so, there's a purity to it that I think a lot of people don't understand, don't really look into. And I'm not saying that's right, wrong or whatever, but just like anything else where someone can attach themselves to it and really love it, that's what this industry has been for me. And I love learning and exploring and understanding the process as a whole. So there's a lot to be admired. Do you know what kept me out of the industry? I'll tell you those damn truth commercials on TV. <laughs> oh God! 
Don't yeah. get me started on that. <laughs> don't, please. I don't even want to. I don't even want to go there. It's like, you know. Oh yeah, we have oh, we have our we, piece with it. We've, the we've, truth doesn't even know the truth. No, put it that way. You yeah, know, it's just yeah. it's very. Yeah, don't, no, but going going back yeah. to that, I mean, it's really cool that you get that, and I and, and it feels good that you get that. I just I think that you know there's a lot of as you said misconceptions about the industry as a whole. But what drew me, you know, going back to that kid that was in uptown smoke shop and started reading about the industry it's like i would i i really it wasn't just like a knee-jerk reaction i wanted to get into scars it was like i really kind of dissected it and said what's drawing me to this and when i kind of carved it down and, and just really kind of whiteboarded it a little bit i was like i want to be involved with something that's from the earth that's natural it's made by hand it's not made by machine Kind of like, I don't know, you ever seen that movie, Say Anything with John Cusack, where the, yeah, yeah. you know, the father, the, the father of the girl he's dating says, well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't want to do this, 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 this. I don't want to be, that was kind of where I was at. And I narrowed it down to literally the wine industry and the cigar industry. So I didn't know if I wanted to pursue wine or cigars, but those were the two things that had the romance, the tradition, right. the craft, the history, the made by hand. And as I got to know a little bit more about both industries, I realized that cigars were the only thing that I could think of that were made by hand. That was like seed to shelf, completely natural fermentation, cultivation, harvesting a whole bit, you know, even wine, the process, there's some machinery used in, in winemaking. There's no question to crush the grapes and what have you, but right. I can't think of another business like cigars. I really can't. And there's a, there's a romance or tradition that really just kind of drew me to it. That keeps me involved with it, you know, to this day. Um, I can't think of another business like it. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's the craftsmanship and is the, the words like artisan and passion and all that shit. It's all so overused and, and overblown, but it really does mean something in this business. And it's, right. it's, it's truly an art form. I love how well, you can see someone at a factory roll a cigar using what is what I would consider to be kind of primitive tools, and that's right. still how it's done today. I that's t- fascinating. I'll tell you exactly. what. I love that literally each one is slightly different. Like this one tastes like Juan. This one tastes like Orlando because they're like they're all right. they're all slightly right. done, like yeah. different, and they're like sometimes rolled by totally different people. And like sure. the fact that they're handmade, I feel like each stick has a slightly like unique quality to it that kind of keeps even if i smoke the same thing it has kind of a freshness to it like it's just slightly yeah, different, different than the last the one i had yeah and, and i think like i mean i go back to like you know if somebody gives me a cigar and i may not enjoy it i mean i think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread but i will smoke that cigar all the way part of it is just in my back of my mind it's like i have too much respect for all the people that work their tails off to create this thing that I'm smoking, I'm not just gonna be one of these guys that takes, you know, smokes an inch of it, and goes, oh, that's that's unsmokable, and I pitch it. You know, it's just right. you gotta have respect for the for the craft, for the people that, you know, sweat and 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 work. I mean, you got people that all, they can sort tobacco by by their hands. You know, this is Seiko Vizio Lajero with a blindfold on because they they've done it for you know 20 years of their life or whatever, and they'll they'll forget more about tobacco than I'll ever learn. So to be at this stage in my career and 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 be a quote unquote brand owner, I'm just so blessing, man. It's just, but you got to be respectful to the trade and the craft and the people that came before you and all of that. You really do. It's just like I, I one of my pet peeves is seeing some of these upstarts that just come in like, oh, this is cool, let's do this. 
and let's put a cool label on it. Let's put a cool graphic on it. Let's put a skull on it. Or I'm like, really? <laughs> Fuck, do you even get it? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's a huge pet peeve with me, man. I'm Everybody totally knows. with you, but there's one exception, and then I will not back down from it. That, that? fucking egg cigar from egg. Drewis. Is it Drewis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah, seen yeah, that yeah. thing? That fucker I've is the worst it. shit I've <laughs> ever had in my life. Yeah. I, I would well, definitely those, say those don't. guys, that's, they're on a different planet. You know? <laughs> yeah. State, that's the most are... gimmicky thing I've ever seen. Sure. And uh, trust me, I'm sure they know it as well. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they get it. But they're, their whole thing is to disrupt the industry and to, to shake it up a bit. And I get those guys. And they yeah. make some pretty damn good regular cigars, too. Though. Well, yes, if, they if, do. If you, want, if, if you <clears throat> have an inkling to try the egg, which is an obnoxious-looking no, cigar, just don't do that. Walk in your backyard. Pick up a stick, dry it out, and light it on fire, and put it in your mouth. <laughs> That's well, pretty. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, like or like Fuentes. They did a football shaped cigar. I mean, oh, yeah. all, you know, we get it. It's it's just kind of fun. It's a goof, right. right? I mean, but your serious stuff is your your Don Carlos number three or your Opus oh, Six, yeah. right? You know, Power Ranger or whatever. You know, they, I, I understand it. So, so, it, so it speaking of, you, you've named a few cigars, and I, I have to ask you this because my my, sure. my curiosity is there. What it's a two-part question. One, what sure. is your favorite crown head cigar, and what is your mm-hmm. favorite non-crown head cigar? Qu- answer to question number one is like asking me which of my children do uh, I like better. I know. I knew this was going to be tough. It is. It is, man, because everything <laughs> that we've done to this point, it's like I, I have an emotional attachment to it. Like, sure. you know, I think of Headley Grange, and I immediately go back to – being in Ernie's SUV in the, in the Dominican, leaving the Italian restaurant for lunch and going smoking the cigar, and go aha, that's the that's the blend. This is it. Let's do it. You know, and then I think about four kicks and, and validating the tobacco with Ernie. I have memories of, of every you know Las Calaveras sitting there in the conference room with with Jaime Garcia for the first time, my knee shaking, going what the fuck. Yeah, that's um, cool. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's impossible, man. It really is impossible. It's just they're all different. They all speak to me differently in, in different moods and different times of the day and whatever. Um, so I, answer number one is impossible. You know, it's just like, okay. whatever. I'll answer number that. Two, I was, I was even, to... even answer number two, I can't definitively say this is my favorite non, non-crown head cigar. Um, I can rattle off some brands and some cigars that I really like that stood out in my memory. I mean, you know, the, the Tatuaje Brown label, I think was a game changer. No question about that. You know, I remember when I've known Pete since 96, um, I met him for the first time at the RTDA, which is what the IPCPR used to be called Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati in 1996. I'd been in the business for three months, four months. And for whatever reason, he and I just kind of connected, I guess, because we were like some of the few people that had tattoos back in that day. And we just kind of, hey, what's up? Yeah, dude, what's up? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we be, we became fast friends. And then in 2003, I had been with CAO for seven years. And, and so I we would always do the same thing. Like, what's good? What's what's good out there to smoke? What have you? And so Pete came up to me and had this cabinet of these unbanded cigars. And I said, what's that? He said, oh, this is my cigar. I said, try, he goes, try it. And as soon as I lit it, I was like, holy shit, this thing is like, I literally, I thought game changer, right? And then he told me it was going to be called Tatuaje and give me the whole backstory on it with, with Pepin and this, that, and the other. So I would say Tatuaje Brown Label. I would say Tatuaje Kavai Wan, um, one of the most unheralded cigars in their portfolio, but fantastic. Illusion Epernay, oh, um, yeah. fantastic cigar. No Lijero in that blend. 
just but a flavorful complex great cigar um back in the late 90s there was a brand called bahia and bahia gold 1998 robusto was phenomenal phenomenal i, I actually smoked it blind unbeknownst to me at the time i smoked it blind in in a hotel against the cohiba robusto and i picked the bahia gold robusto very over cool the Cohiba robusto so that was one of the standouts um you know nowadays i would i would literally i mean that's, those are kind of my my guys you know tatuaje and illusion um you know herrera esteli the original release i thought was fantastic mm-hmm. uh you know but i i smoke everything man i mean i i ask my reps to buy whatever's hot out there send it to me let me taste it let me smoke it I'm, I'm i'm a constant geek in evolution i'm always trying to see what else is out there not to mimic it or to compete with it but just because i enjoy it i enjoy the process of smoking cigars i really love that 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 whole you know whatever you want to call it um right i smoked some good stuff from uh i'm trying to think who else well i mean everything out of my father factory and, and ernie's factory i think i'm obviously a little bit biased towards um there's been some stuff that I smoked out of Warped in the past that I thought was interesting. Um, in particular, La Comena, I thought was is very different than what's out on the market today. Um, what else? I'm you've named, sure you've named a bunch of good ones. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of where my, my palate goes. I mean, I, I really haven't smoked anything from Pete that I, I haven't liked. For yeah. some reason, we're kind of simpatico on the the flavor, I guess, thing. And in fact, the funny story that I tell some people is that in January of 14, when we were, I was down with the Garcias for the first time and we started to work on what would become the Las Calaveras 2014. I had narrowed it down to one sample in particular. And I had, Pete was there at the time and I asked him to smoke it and he smoked it and he kind of validated it and said, yeah, this is really good. It's, you know, it doesn't taste like anything coming out of here so far, which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. And that became the 2014 Los Calaveras, which everybody kind of says is the grail and <laughs> the best of the brand, whatever. But um, yeah, so I mean, but, you know, I mean, is there anything that's been shockingly good to me in the recent few years? I guess I'm getting kind of chastened a little bit. Not really. Um, you know, those are, I still think that the original brown label, I think Cabo Juan was great. I think, um, what was the uh he did a maduro one that that just god what was it called that's why i'm drawing a blank you know what i think it is too i mean because i'm i i I try to smoke at least one every day and i am always trying something new kind of just to broaden my my idea of sure the industry as a whole but also i get a deeper appreciation for the things i really do like um, it's kind of like traveling, right? It's like, you know, the U S yeah. isn't so great until you like go to other countries and you try uh-huh. their cultures and you're like, you know what? The U S is pretty damn good. Yeah. But, uh-huh. um, but I'll tell you what, like, I think the problem is, is we're, we're so we're, we're kind of stuck with the same, like five or six type of farms, right? You got Dominican, right. Nicaraguan and so Honduran, on and so forth, right. Ecuadorian, like, and so sure. you got all those. And after a certain while, you can only blend so much before, then Agreed. it's just a label marketing game. And... I, you know what? You hit the nail on the head, man, because we're all pulling from the same resources. I mean, there's no secret here. We're all kind of taking from the same tobaccos. It's, it's really the secret becomes how that particular house processes that tobacco. Yeah, that right. was something that actually Pete 
you know, taught me a little bit about, and it's, it's about the processing. It's what that's the trick of the trade there because we're all pulling from the same yields, but you, it's like, okay, well, how do you, how do you process right, that? Tobacco? Right. John, are you, are, is there any um, growing regions outside of the norm that are highly anticipated or that people think are um, going to be next up and comers? I mean, I can, once one, a particular varietal that's, that's kind of surprised me that took me by surprise was something that Ernie turned me on to was uh, Connecticut Habano because everybody thinks about Connecticut broadleaf, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I love broadleaf, but at a certain point, you kind of, you, when you do it to death, you kind of go, okay, um, you know, I'm right. done. But Connecticut Habano, which is Habano seed grown in Connecticut, a very difficult, tricky wrapper to work with but when you do it right and you process it right it lends a very unique flavor profile it's, it's the wrapper that we use on four kicks maduro mm-hmm. very cool and i i've been very surprised that like literally i could take the same blend and put a connecticut broadly wrapper and connecticut habano wrapper on it completely different flavor profile so that was kind of interesting that to is me. cool yeah it was, it was kind of neat um but you know honestly it's like yeah, I mean, I've always kind of felt like there's only what is it five things on your palate, like you know, sweet, sour, bitter, yep, right, salt, umami, whatever it is, and you know, so when people start pulling these abstract kind of flavor descriptions, like I taste, <laughs> yeah, you know, Baker's chocolate and you know, burnt marshmallow, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? It's either sweet, sour, salt, that, 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 that. You know, I kind of call a little bit of bullshit on that. It's, it's a little esoteric, <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, I don't get into all that. Uh, yeah, hey, like, listen, we, yeah, we have some people, John, just candidly, that who are not. Some people are not happy with us because we're overly critical of some of those adjectives that are given, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we make fun of them on the podcast pretty frequently because, like you, there's only so many senses that your your well, taste buds it. can understand. It's but. hard to market a cigar. Like it's one of those things that. On the outset, it's not an attractive thing because of all the cultural, like persuasive type of sure. things around it. Like, yeah, health concerns and so on. Yeah, it's like how here's, do you? Here's I'll tell you. Here's where it started because I've been in the business long enough to to really point the finger. Cigar aficionado had a sister magazine. They still do, I think, called Wine Enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And when you looked at and Wine Enthusiast was out long before Cigar Aficionado was out, and you know, you look at the flavor descriptors of wine, which come from a grape and yeah. Okay. So you got, you know, this, that, and the other, and and that whole romantic flavor description was translated over into cigars and became more and more and more and more. And that's really where the, the wheel got started rolling. But then like one of my favorite ones that I remember from back in the day, like in the heyday of cigar aficionado, that was gunmetal. And I remember gunmetal. Gunmetal. So I was like, Okay, how fucked up do you have to be to say, okay, I put a gun in my mouth and it tasted like this, and then I smoked a cigar and it tasted just like I put the gun in my mouth. I mean, you would have to taste gunmetal, right? Exactly. So I was like, that was always kind of a running joke. You know, <laughs> he just got done me, sucking like, on some metal. copper pennies. <laughs> right. I'm like, you <laughs> But, you know, when, I, when actually, when I approached the editor about it and kind of like having a laugh about the whole thing, he's like, well, you know, I was just trying to, it was a, it was a different way of saying flinty, kind of metallic. Well, then just say, Metallic. Just Don't metallic. say gunmetal, man. Right. You know, metallic, if you look, right? I mean, and what's the to this day? I don't really. People will call me out on this because I'm ignorant. But what's the difference between white pepper and black pepper? You Very know, and little, if anything, uh, yeah. noticeable. 
other right, than its color. <laughs> what's the difference between lucky charms and tricks? You know, it's like it's sweet. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, but yeah, I, I see that a lot, you know, and it's like, you know, I saw some bloggers say something that tastes like Cheetos. And I'm like, well, that's because you've probably been just eating Cheetos. Cheetos before you smoked the fucking cigar. I love the fact that you're saying this right now because I, I literally say this every day and, and some people get unhappy with, uh, with my outwardness about it, but it's, I, I have a hard time with those descriptors. I, I just go, I do too. what I the do, hell are you talking I about? I do say this tastes like a it's, chicken Parmesan cooked, <laughs> slowly yeah. cooked in al dente right. <laughs> yeah. wheat pasta. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I agree with you, man. It's just, it's just kind of like the emperor's new clothes thing. It's like, you know, yeah. you, you're the, you, you want to call it out and call bullshit on. I'm like, he's naked. He's not wearing any clothes. Yeah. And everybody goes, oh no, it's the emperor's new. <laughs> it's a, it's the same, same thing. It's it just like, so so I, I, I have a little issue with it. But anyway, what's, yeah. what's the craziest thing anyone's ever described one of your cigars as? Mm, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to their. It's probably <laughs> I, good. A, yeah, full disclosure: I don't really read that. I kind of scroll to the bottom and look at the number. There you go. You know, there like you go. What's my else? score? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like okay, is it an eighty-nine? I'm like, uh, eighty-nine is like kissing your cousin. It's like ninety-three. I want something that kisses yeah. me hard. You know? Yeah. Give me, give me but, the good one. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't really, you know, some I don't really pay a lot of attention to it. It's just my thing is if people are enjoying the cigar and like. What I get off on is that when people will contact us directly and say, oh, I smoked, you know, the Karem and it was it was fantastic and turned me on to cigars and, blah, blah, blah. and that makes me feel good. Right. That, you know, somebody actually, you know, and, and took the time to forward their feedback, you know, one on one kind of a, of a sort of a way and that they enjoyed that that one hour of their day. That makes me feel good. I don't really care if somebody tasted you know, Mongolian beef barbecue in the cigar, <laughs> or if it was roast toasted marshmallow, you know, that doesn't make really a lot of sense to me. So, yeah, I ended I up I starting, um, I ended up starting, I, I posted a video kind of making fun of some of these things. And I started what's called hashtag unicorn palette. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, it got, it got a lot of, it got a lot of attention. So, um, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, it's some of it just seems to be, a bit ridiculous, but uh, I want to kind of rewind for a second. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you as far as crown heads and the brand as a whole, what is the next progression or what's the vision for the future? The vision for the future. And you can't say move to Hawaii. (laughs) Uh, No, I can't say move to Hawaii. I can do that if I wanted to. (laughs) You'd you'd have to ask the real boss, my wife about that. There you go. um, Yeah. No, uh, what's the vision for the future? I mean, I just, I honestly, like, I, I don't, I've never had like the five year, 10 year plan. And I know that's probably really bad, but I never really, I, I just take it on a day to day basis because I feel like my life philosophy is like tomorrow's not promised. Yesterday's gone. All you got is today. Live in the moment, be in the moment, do what you're doing in the moment. And, you know, it's like, I could, I could, I could kick it tomorrow. Who knows? You know? So right. I'm just trying to make the most of this moment right now, talking to you guys. And I, as far as the, the, the evolution of the brand, I just want to make, keep making cigars that, that add some value to people's lives that, that they enjoy consuming, that they enjoy the, the journey. And, you know, ultimately with crown heads more than so, well, so much more than with CAO, it's more about the message we're trying to, to deliver, which is that whole CYOP carve your own path thing. It's like, here's two guys in Nashville, 
you know, they're not Hispanic. They're not, you know, born and raised in tobacco. And that I'm referring to Mike Condor and myself right. that, okay, we want to start a cigar company and we want to grow it and, and make it, you know, successful and employ other people and give people, you know, a, an opportunity in life. And you can do anything you want, you know, that's, that's, and it just so happens that cigars are the vehicle that we're trying to deliver that message in, to yeah. be honest with you, yeah. you know, and that's that the, when people get the message more than the vehicle that's delivered in, that makes me happy. For instance, like Las Calaveras, when people say, oh, I smoked a Las Calaveras on the anniversary of my mom's passing, you know, you got it. You, you understood what I was trying to say underneath the vehicle, which was the cigar. That makes me happier than like, oh, this was a 93 rating and it tastes like nutmeg and cinnamon and, and you know, toasty right. oats or whatever. You know, that's right. one of the things we've done on a lot of the reviews we have on our Big Six Tobacco site is we, we, we started to notice how we would um, tailor our smoking experiences towards like whether it's a everyday smoke or it's a celebratory smoke or some big grand thing. And like we 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 definitely have our cigars where we go, yeah, like this stick, either because of its price and just the quality of it, like this is like a celebratory smoke. And for right. us, like there's definitely lay, uh, cost aside, there's sticks out there that I feel like really fit those types of really cool events in your life that you know is is outside of just the idea of just sure. you just pick up a smoke and you smoke it. There is truly an experience, and I think c- the cigar industry as a whole is so social like it is beyond social like the engagement you get at local tobacco in the shops or lounges mm-hmm. it is unreal how quickly you connect with those people when you immediately sit down like across from them i think cigars are like the common denominator in that you know whether you, you walk into a store and it could be a, a ceo a doctor a bricklayer and a teacher Mm-hmm. And but you know what? You as soon as they're smoking cigars, they're all yeah. the same person. Yeah, bar, bars and stars time. removed. Yeah, you know what I mean exactly. And so I, I like that about that. There's there's certainly like again overused term brotherhood, but there's certain a brotherhood, fraternity, and sisterhood, whatever you want, um, in cigars. And it, it really just kind of connects people. It's a common thread to it. It's not. It's, you don't see that with cigarettes. That's one of the, the no, you don't. The pet yeah. peeves I have with the whole FDA thing is lumping cigars in with cigarettes yes. it's like Ugh. you know okay you're gonna you, you see somebody smoking a cigarette out of habit out of addiction but you see someone smoking a cigar it's because they want to carve out that part of their day and, and enjoy right. their day and talk to other people that have similar likes and, and interests and so on and so forth and it's kind of like i look at tobacconists in particular as like the barber shop of today it's like you know back in the day it was like you go to the barber shop hang out with the boys right and you'd, you'd bullshit and talk about sports and politics what have you now you see that in tobacconists so i think it's so important to support that heritage of 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 of, of mom and pops and brick and mortar you know more so than just you know ordering it's great to order online i mean our biggest customers are our online vendors, there's no question. I mean, that's just part of the nature of business in, in this day and age. But don't forget the the, the mom and pops, the brick and mortar right. shops. You know, that's really, really, really important. Yeah, and I, what I what I love too, I, the social aspect of it's great. But one of the things I really admire about cigar smoking as a whole is that even in seclusion, it's it's relaxing and it's calm and it can mm-hmm. put you at peace. You know, that's one of my favorite times to smoke is when no one's around, when I'm by myself in my own head you know, kind of di- digesting like the day. It right. is. It's That's like exactly like what it you're is. You're meditating. And it's just kind of, you get lost in it and you just kind of like 
reflect and you kind of chill and yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful process. It really is. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Hey, we have some questions for you that came in from our collective listeners. Um, so if you don't mind answering a few of those before we kick this thing, uh, to the curb for the day, um, and I'll have Chris, I'll have Chris go through each one of them. It is, it is that time, John, we call Mm -hmm. this segment, give me one hot minute and we're, you know, is it literally only going to take one minute? I want you to rapid fire question, like answers to these questions. Just like, yeah, just like, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be possible. So you, you give it the time and attention that it needs. I'm long winded, man. (laughs) This could be your longest episode ever. (laughs) I'm sorry. <laughs> so no, we love it. Steve Starkbonks. We actually, we've addressed a lot of our fans questions throughout this series or this episode. So we're not going to rehash those, but Steve Starkbon okay. asks, um, do you see a big change in cigar smokers as you seem to be bringing it to a more completely different audience than the stereotypical middle aged high income cigar smoker? Do you see a difference in the kind of the age and the type of smokers you see in the last 10 years? Well, Steve, actually, um, yes, I do. I do. Um, when I first, and, and I'm just going on past experience, life experience. Um, when I first got into the, the business, it was like, and you know, in the mid nineties, it was just post cigar boom. And, um, it was like your typical customer that there would be like that, that old dude that walked in, he wanted to buy his box of H Upman's or his, his white de Monterey's or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And that was all he smoked. I smoked one box of those. Uh, it comes in the next week. So you were just hoping that you could kind of maybe break that guy into something different. Now, fast forward 20 plus years later, it's now you're just hoping to get into a rotation. You don't expect anybody to be a loyalist where all I smoke is crowned heads or all I smoke is, is Monte Cristo or all I smoke is Tatuaje. I mean, there, there probably are some guys like that, but for the most part, I think today's smoker is more educated, um, is more uh, uh, probably going to have a certain rotation of various brands that you hope you can get into that rotation, but they're always going to be looking for something new to put in that rotation, if that makes any sense. That is a great answer. To that, that actually makes a lot okay. of sense because yeah. that's that's what my Coolador looks like. That's, it's the most diverse Coolador I've ever seen. We are we yeah. are models of that type of <laughs> yeah that type of demographic. And I, yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of why there's so much. Everybody complains that there's a glut of new products coming on the market all the time. Um, but that's part of the nature of the, the uh, of the beast. It's like we're reacting to people want. I mean, the first question. That, that people ask when they go into a humidor or that I ask when I go into a humidor, what's new? Trade shows, what's new? Right. That's, that's all people ask. They don't ask anything else other than what's new. Yeah. And that's what they're all looking for. So Guilty. it's kind of, I, I kind of look at the, is the, the craft beer mentality of, of, uh, of cigars. You know, it's like people want to know what's the new, I don't know anything about craft beers, but dogfish or something like that. I'm just throwing something out. But, yeah. you know, what's the next, thing coming up that people want to latch on to yeah right yeah try uh troy wildberger asks what's your outlook outlook on the upcoming fda regulations and how do you think that's going to shape your company or the industry as a whole Mm -hmm. interesting question and and to be honest with you probably the wrong guy to ask um you know within our company mike is more in tuned mike condor is more in tune with the the 
legislation. He's very active in, you know, stuff on quote unquote on the Hill right. in terms of lobbying and all that. He's very, very in tune. And I'm very grateful for that. Him doing that and being, you know, educated on all that stuff and being in the know and all that stuff allows me to kind of keep my blinders on and just focus on the creative process. So, yeah. Yeah. That's nice you know to have I mean? that partner in crime for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mike and I are very, I mean, we're, we're similar, but more opposite, you know, it's kind of like the odd couple and the way our business arrangement works is like, he does cash flow, he does projections, he does numbers, he does all that non-interesting to me, corporate stuff and right. then works on the legislation stuff piece of it and keeps his ear on the ground in terms of FDA stuff. And that allows me to do things like the Karem Bellicosofinos or you know, Mule Kick, Mule Kick 2018 or Las Calaveras 2018. Right. So I, I, I try to like, you know, it's like church and state. We try to keep them divided. Right. Um, but to answer the question a little bit more, from what I understand, what I can gather, I don't think it's going to be as bad or as onerous as people would have thought in 2016 when the, the announcement first came out. I think everybody kind of ran for the hills and go, oh, my God, what's going to happen? You know, and and. I remember the day it, it was announced. It was, I think, May 5th, 2016, because yep. ironically, I was, that's my, uh, we were, I was with my wife, we were celebrating our anniversary at a, a B&B, and just having a great time, everything was good, and drinking champagne, and, you know, everything else you would do to celebrate your anniversary, and I got the text message, and I was like, oh my God, and my wife's like, what's the matter, what's the matter, and I had to try to explain Right. What's going on? And I thought it could have been the end of the the world, you know. So here we are, you know, almost two years later, and it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Um, and it seems like a lot of things are on hold until 2021. I think they extended yep, it. Right. I think, fortunately, I think the right people are are making the decisions that they're going to. They'll they'll be a happy medium. Yeah, there's going to be some regulation, but I don't think it will be as bad as what it sounded like on May 5th, 2016. Right. I'll tell you what, Troy, it's stupid because in Ohio, they're talking about increasing our sales tax on tobacco-based products from 17% to 25%. So it's real stupid from a consumer perspective because I can buy a $5 burger that's going to give me heart disease at McDonald's Mm -hmm. and and I'm only paying 7% sales tax. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, one of the things that we've noticed is that at the state level, some of those regulatory processes are even more harsher than perhaps what we're reading in the federal regulation piece of it. States, you know, yeah. have the autonomy to do their own thing. And and in some states, it's, it's pretty crippling um, where cigars aren't as popular simply because it's, it's tough to dis- supply in a, in a particular state. So. True. True. But I mean, you know, we went through the whole thing when, when S chip first came into play. I remember that was like, I don't even know how many years ago that I was still CAO at the time. And everybody thought that was the end of the world. Right. You know, oh my God. And, that's and here we are. Cigar. And here we are. Right. So, you know, I mean, prohibition didn't work the first time. It's never going to work the second time. Never. And I just kind of feel like, yeah, I just feel like, you know, the, it'll sit, it's, it, everything will sit out and it will just kind of be what it is. Right. And, um, you know, until then, we're just going to keep going forward. Man. I'm yep. going to keep the blinders on. I'm just going to keep. Being because here's the thing: if you if you if you're like the deer in the headlights and you get stuck and you're stopping and you're like, oh my god, guess what? The, everything's going to pass you by and you're going to be screwed. Right. <laughs> You'll be out of business. So 
in that yeah. uh, and, and what you've kind of built your career on that fearlessness gets disrupted. And I think exactly. sometimes you have to keep you have to keep that to move forward. Regard whether you're in the cigar business or whatever business you're in, if you live and operate from a state of fear, you're gonna fail. Right. Period. So I, I don't even I don't I don't wanna seem very nonplussed about it. I don't wanna seem very blase, but I it the FDA does not consume my every thought and in, in my day-to-day oh, no, I, I yeah. really don't right so last question from adam henderson okay mm-hmm. so i feel like i want you guys to ask john what possessed you to try to kill the law imperiosa and what was the consumer reaction to that i didn't even know you were trying to get rid of it if that's true i uh, that's news to me ah, <laughs> i was trying to kill law imperiosa yeah that's news to me I, yeah no there's there's never been any question of really yeah. Is that maybe he typed that wrong? I don't know. Maybe the Luminosa? No. no nothing. Yeah. We we've never discontinued a brand. We've never killed anything. We've kept everything going as is. Um Well his research I, yeah. his research was junk. Well guess what, Adam? Lomperios stays. It, you heard it you heard it from the No Lomperios. <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean if I'm I'm just trying to light on the Lomperios, it was a very interesting thing in that um when we, when I broke the story about La Imperiosa, right? So, for those people that don't know what, what La Imperiosa is, it was an expired Cuban mark that literally translates to the imperative that which is necessary. And I saw that and I wanted to register it because I thought it would be a good fit to bring back the 2014 Las Calaveras blend because. When we, we dropped Las Calaveras 2014, everybody kept saying, you're going to make more, you're going to make more, you're going to make more, you know, and we, we were like, no, it's a one and done, it's a one and done, we're going to change the blend next year. So I said, this is a good avenue to bring back that blend in a regular production line, and we're going to call La Imperiosa because it's necessary. Made sense, right? Mm-hmm. Brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. When I did that, I got so much pushback, so much grief, so much hate what are you doing? You know, you, and for the most part, it was like from people that had bought 14 Las Calaveras and were wanting to resell it in the gray market and saying, now it's worthless. Now it's, now I have no, no value. And I'm like, if you're buying cigars as an investment, you're barking up the wrong tree, go, you know, buy stocks or whatever, you know, right. This is a consumable product. So I'm just reacting to the consumer demand for, this particular blend, and I'm going to release it in these particular Vitolas, and we're going to call it La Imperiosa. Simple as that, you know? And But you'd be surprised. What I thought going into it was I'm giving people what they want, was I got so much hate and flack for it. It was just it was an eye-opener for me, man, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, got, I got a million of them. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> And I honestly, I wish, you know, I wish we had 24 hours to do it, man. I feel like we could, we could talk this stuff forever. Um, and by the way, absolutely, absolutely. And, and by the way, so Adam Henderson is actually a good Mm -hmm. buddy of ours. He is the one who turned us on initially to the Jericho Hill. So I have to give him a shout out because he's, uh, he got us into crown heads from the get go. Yeah. And he's, he's a, he's a loyalist, if you will. I think it's always part of his regular rotation. So yeah, Jericho is a great brand. I mean, we, it was funny the way that that started. I'll give you guys a little bit of backstory on yeah. Jericho Hill. When I was I was down at the the factory with um, I was at my father's cigars and I was working with Jaime and I said, "Do you have any San Andreas wrapper?" 
Yeah, we got a ton of it. I'm like, okay, I want to make the poor man's padrone. And he was like, huh? I said, yeah. I said, I mean, because, I mean, I, I love padrone to me is on a different plateau, island, what have you. I think that, you know, we're all on kind of one particular echelon, and then you've got Fuente on a different one, you got Padrone on a different one, you got Davidoff on a different one. I I, I hold these guys in high regard. Right. But, you know, I've always been a fan of, of Padrone cigars, but it's the worst kept secret about what the components are and the industry behind the scenes. Everybody's, you know, it's it's always marketed as Nicaragua, 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 wrapper, binder, filler. Behind the scenes, everybody's kind of going, oh, yeah, we know they, they use this, that, and the other. So, I was like, get this wrapper and let's try to make something that tastes like a 1926 or something. So that's that was the genesis of Jericho Hill. I didn't know what it was going to be called at the time, but that's what I wanted to create. And that's why it's kind of box pressed. Mm-hmm. And that's why we use the particular tobaccos that we use. And there was a couple of blogs that actually picked up on it unbeknownst to me that said, this tastes like Patron 1926. Or this Interesting. Like Patron yeah. So that's that's kind of how it all started. Um, and it's still doing well for us, you know, people like talk about it, like the Johnny cash cigar, unfortunately, but it's not a Johnny cash cigar. It was just, that's the name. That, this is the name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is you've, you've mentioned in the past that part of the, and I think I've heard you say this, the branding process starts with the band, then it goes to album, then it goes to song. Right. And that's how you kind of label each, um, you know, each well, sub brand yeah. and Vitola. Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's a good way to put it, kind of an, on an overview. But we set up Crown Heads as this innocuous, you know, it's it's not Condor Huber cigars, and it's not such and such cigars. I wanted something that was vaguely in, uh, enough that it could it applied it across the board to whether you're doing cigars, spirits, coffee, whatever. And when you think about Crown Heads, it doesn't say anything about cigars, right? You know, some people said, oh, well, the C is for Condor, the H is for Huber. I'm like, no, that's not it either. <laughs> I mean, literally, somebody asked me this in Hawaii. Like, how did you come up with the name of Crown Heads? I said, um, I was watching The Wizard of Oz, and there was a, a, a scene where Professor Marvel, when she's getting her fortune told, it said, you know, on his caravan, it said, Crown Heads of Europe, past, present, and future. And I froze that, and I screenshotted it, and I'm like, that's the name, Crown Heads. That's literally how it came about from the Wizard of Oz. Wait, is so, that the same font from Wizard of Oz too? Is I don't it... think it's the same font. Okay. I don't think it's the same font. It looked, but it looked similar, but yeah. It definitely came from that movie because cool. prior to that, I'd come up with like a notebook full of names over a month period and submitted them. And some of the, the attorneys that we had hired said, you can't use this or you can use this. And the ones that we could use, Mike liked, I didn't like, and vice versa. So finally, the one thing that we all collectively agreed on was Crown Heads. So we registered that. So going forward, it's like I saw Crown Heads as like the band, and then the albums would be called XYZ, da, 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 right. which would give us kind of creative latitude to create different personalities underneath that umbrella. It's like, you know, like Led Zeppelin doesn't, all their albums don't sound the same. They each have their own. Zeppelin four sounds different than physical graffiti. It sounds different than whatever, you know? So I wanted to be able to not be pigeonholed the way CAO was, where it was like CAO Brasilia, CAO America, CAO Italia. It was like, it's kind of innocuous. So I wanted that creative latitude. So that's how we set the whole thing up. So 
within underneath that, yeah, I mean, like all the Vitolas, like, you know, Jericho Hill OBS, I would guarantee you that nine out of ten people wouldn't know what the hell OBS means. It was Orange Blossom something, right? Or, yeah, Orange, Orange Blossom, Blossom Special. Special. Very yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, which was a cut on the album from which the whole Jericho Hill thing was taken, which was Folsom Prison 1968, uh, yeah. live Johnny Cash. So, I mean, it's it's very important to us that everything exists for a reason. Um, I don't like to just throw stuff against the wall and say, oh, you know, this is, we're going to call it Florida whatever, Huber or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, everything has Huber. to be inspired. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, there's no ring to that, right? Hey, if you don't, I will. You're, you'll see us five years from now, we'll have our own line, it's just going to be Florida Huber. Register it, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will buy it. No. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, like, there's always a story behind everything. Uh, that's kind of how sure. I like to operate. It's like to have something exist for a reason or have a meaning to it. Yeah, you're creating Whether attachment it, to it outside of just its physical being, which is cool. Yeah, I think it's interesting to me. You know, what everything we've done to this point has a, a, has a meaning or has a reason to exist. Um, if it doesn't, then it's just, to me, it's just a gimmick. It's just... It's somebody throwing paint against the wall, you know? Right. So, yeah. I love the Maybe we process. should make cigars like fortune cookies and then like put little snippets of the story somebody of the cigar did inside. That. Are you serious? No way. No, somebody, no, they did the, what was it? I saw it. Yeah, shit. Like about a year ago, they did the Chinese finger trap thing. <laughs> Are you serious? Their, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. It was just, it was terrible. How <laughs> far can I people saw it take it? Wheel. Oh, yeah, my I mean, gosh. Oh, I mean, God. You know, here's here's a funny story. Recently, <laughs> recently, very recently, when I said we were going to do Le Carême, Bellicosos Finos, limited edition 2018, which will be out this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I got slammed with people accusing me of being gimmicky and this, that, and the other because I used a limited edition ban on it. And I'm like, huh? What? And I've seen, like, other companies releasing cigars that were, like, the toy soldier where like, it was like a toy soldier, like wrapped on the cigar. And, you mm. know, and just, <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, limited edition ban has been done since the dawn of forever, Man, practically. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm just following in the footsteps and I'm just doing, applying that to what we're doing here. And no, it's it, just completely opposite. You know, it's like, it's not gimmicky. It's like, this is paying, homage to the tradition that came before us, to the craft, to the, to the Cubans, to the, everybody else that's made cigars. It's like, this is part and parcel of our industry. And they're like, oh, it's gimmicky. And I'm like, fuck you. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you, do you look hope, at the other stuff that comes out? I, I hope, mean, really? Yeah, it's I hope crazy. They, I hope they all realize that technically every cigar is a limited edition because there's like every batch so, of so cigar made. Yeah. That's a good point. And that's, that's part of the challenge of what we face every year is like you create a blend in a regular production brand, let's say four kicks Maduro. How do you replicate that? Year yeah. In, over and over. Out, right. You know? Yeah. And, the crop, yeah. and a lot of people differs. don't realize that. And you got your crop varieties different. You've got weather that plays a part into it. You've got, it's very, very difficult. It's an art form to keep that blend consistent from now until, you know, five years down the road or what have you. It, yeah. it changes every year. So, yeah, and to, to your point, yeah, it is. It, every cigar is truly a limited edition. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never seen, I, I've, that's weird that someone is critical of that particular 
banned because I've seen some hysterical things come out over the past two years where I look at it. Not only do I shake my head, but it's it's hard for me to even consume something that seems so gimmicky. But when I saw, uh, I think you already put out some um, some images of the new La Cream, which the, with the limited edition band right below it. And I was like, right. you know, I look at that. I'm like, that's awesome. I, that to me, that's, I'm, it's highly anticipated. It's like, hold on. Now I want to get my hands on one. It's, it's the yeah, thought it's process. Just, it's just our way of saying, look, this is a one and done. Yeah. Right? right. This shape, this cigar, this crop, this whatever. It's a one and done. Take it or leave it. Period. But it's not a gimmick, like putting a toy soldier no, on something right. or saying that this was infused with, you know, 200 year old cognac or some bullshit like that, that, that <laughs> right. to me, as the consumer is gimmicky. Yeah. You know? But when you're saying I'm creating this Vitola that is not in a regular production, uh, you know, line and, and I'm doing it only in 18,000 cigars, th- that is limited. It's truly limited. So you, yeah. you, you denote it as such. And that's, there's nothing gimmicky about that. Not at all. Yeah. And I'm actually, so. you know, that's, that's a release that I think most who appreciate, um, just the, the standard version of the locker room, I, I would look at that and say, this is something that I want. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Where if you bring out a limited edition, it's almost like, oh, thank God you did that because this is, this is something that I can look forward to. That's how I look yeah. at it personally. And I think that some people like on the surface level and they say, oh, Las Cazares, I love that cigar. Okay. Which one? Yeah, <laughs> you know yes, what I mean. Right. It's like, do you understand that we change the Vitolas and we change the blend every every year? year. Yep, yep. Right. So it's like, which one is is a great cigar? I mean, what do you what do you like? What do you what do you want? And right. you know, people just go, oh, Las Cazares, great cigar. No, it's not a great cigar. It's like there's been five reiterations of this whole thing, and you know, it's they're all different. Hey, this there's is a. Go I, I got a I got a personal question for you. Um, mm. Why why the change of the bands from year from uh, last year to this year, or I guess for from 2016 to 2017? Yeah, the color at least. We always we I mean if you look back, we always changed the coloration of the band. It well, was just, look at that the band, closer. the packaging, the boxes have been different. The 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 band has been different. Everything's been different. Yeah. So it's it's all it's all been different. Okay, well, maybe it, maybe that's I just that I think maybe it was just the from the white to black or black to white i was like whoa um just from year to year but yeah i mean i i love how one of the things i think i appreciate the most about the Las calaveras is it does change from year to year you know there's yeah. when we talk about too. that anticipation factor and it not being the same i think it's like you hit it on the head earlier where you say people are wanting something new and they're they're wanting to to see what's kind of the next iteration or what's yeah. the next great thing right. that's how i look at Las calaveras every single year because when it's released and you guys are working on the 2018 right now, currently. Correct. Okay. Correct. The, the, the blend is finalized on the 18. The packaging oh, yes. is, is a work in progress. Yeah. So, so yeah. those, those for me are highly, and I know, especially for a lot of our listeners and the people that we talk to, it's they're waiting for that to come out there. It, it, there's an anticipation factor that exists there that people are like chomping at the bit. Like when's the next yeah. iteration of the Las Calaveras coming to market? It's a real simple solution. People. If you wanted the 2014 back so damn much, or even the 2016 or 17, <laughs> Good luck you should have bought a damn box when they first came out. Yeah, I'm still kicking and, myself know, and, for that. And then I saw I saw somebody online recently, like, well, I'm smoking the La Imperiosa um, against the 2014 Las Calaveras to 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 see if this is really the same one. You impossible. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Impossible because you're talking about a cigar that was rolled in 2013. <laughs> 
realistically right. against a cigar that could have been rolled over the last five years. Right. Yeah. So, you know, age, as you guys know, have has complete, a huge part. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it's changes like, the fine. profile. Open a bottle of wine from 2013 versus 2016. Not the same. It's going to taste different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So, you know, people don't, you know, they think, oh, Blanc Puro is going to taste exactly like well, you can't, you can't compare that because it, you know, it is the same blend. It's the same wrapper. It's the same binder. It's the same filler. It's the same primings. It's everything is identical, but you're going to have the, 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 the added kind of, you know, variant of age. Right. Yeah. And that's it, you know, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, we, we finalized the blend on the 18, um, but we haven't done the packaging and I'm, I'm, scratching my head trying to do the packaging and everybody it's it's interesting when i look at the trajectory of like the the las calaveras and like paniolo for instance everybody always goes back to the first year that it came out and they said that's the grail that's the one that's the best one and i go back and i go that's not true to me like for instance when we were blending the 2015 las calaveras and I told them what I wanted to do, what I wanted to use, what I wanted the flavor profile to be. And I remember smoking the sample of the 15 Las Calaveras in the truck going from Managua to Esteli. I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is amazing. What the fuck is this? And they're like, you know, this is what you wanted. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I talked to Jaime Garcia, who I in utmost respect. I'll never even come close to his expertise. He's like, this is better than the 14. I'm like, I agree. And to this day, nobody like thinks. No one everybody thinks, thinks so. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. It's it just is. this perception. It's just yeah. all perception. Yeah, yep. that's true. That's true. Yeah, people go back to, well, there's also, you know, the the first, the new one, there's a nostalgia feel, even though it's hard to use the term nostalgia sure. since it's so short-lived, but that's kind right. of what it is, right? It brings you back to that first iteration, the first edition, exactly. and people attach themselves to it. Exactly. Exactly. And they, they kind of become emotionally attached. You're like, you know, nothing will be ever better. Than 14, <laughs> so weird. You know? I'll tell you and what, honestly, I had the 2017 I, and it was awesome. Good. So, 17 is more complex than the 14. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody I says love out the there. 17. Hey. 17 was more complex. It was better. It just, there's a whole lot of different levels of complexity to it without going to the toasted marshmallow gunmetal bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two, two <laughs> that, boys. I think. Yeah. That, I mean, honestly, I think the 14 was a really good cigar. It's like Mule Kick, Mule Kick 2012. That that was a happy accident, literally, that happened. Because that was, it, up until that point, most people don't remember this, but I always kind of lauded ourselves on saying we will never do like one-offs, limited editions. We're all about, you know, building core brands and this, that, and the other. Obviously, things have changed over the years. But in 2012, Ernie hit me up and he said, you know, look, I got some, some wrapper that's too dark to use on the, on the regular four kicks line. What do you want me to do with it? I can kind of, I can put it on the bottom of the boxes. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 Don't no, waste no. Right. And I was like, do not do, don't do that. I want all the boxes to be color sorted per box. All 24 cigars should be the same color. Hang on to it. We'll figure something out. So we're at the RTDA or IPCPR, whatever it was that year. And this is the, the story behind Mule Kick. So Ernie and I are, and Mike are sitting around shooting the shit at his, his booth. And he's like, he starts, we start talking about working out because I work out. Ernie works out, whatever. And Ernie's like, oh, bro, you ever do Mule Kicks? And I'm like, what? 
He's like, yeah, check this out. And literally, here's Ernesto Perez Carrillo, right? <laughs> and he picture him on the floor doing this weird ass, like, I don't know what you would call the movement to this day, but he's doing this exercise called quote unquote a mule kick. And I'm like laughing and Mike's laughing. I'm like, what the fuck? This is kind of surreal. <laughs> and then like, like it was like a, it was like a grenade. kind of like you, you pull the, 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 the plug and then like five minutes later it goes off. Right. So I was like, I leaned over to Ernie at the booth. I'm like, mule kick. I said, that would be kind of a cool name for like a, an extension to four kicks. No, he's like, yeah, I like that, bro. I like that. Bro. Okay. So then the wheel started turning and I said, okay, let's tweak the blend. Let's use this darker wrapper. What kind of a yield do you have on the wrapper? And he said, I can probably get maybe 5,000 cigars out of it. All right, let's, let's change this Lee Harrow from this to ASP Lee Harrow and let's see what it smokes like. And when we smoked it with that darker wrapper and the ASP Lee Harrow change, it was like magic. It was like, okay, let's do something with this. And that is how Mule Kit came about. Damn, that's cool. And and that was the very first limited edition. And so that was only 5,000 cigars. We sold a 10 count box for retail was 89.50. And then six months later, they're going on eBay for $400. Oh Holy my God. Lord. I know, right? So I was like, I was like, oh, wait a second, there's something here. You know what I mean? So that was kind of our crown heads entree into, hmm, there might be something here with this one and done type of yeah, thing. Yeah, right. The limited and so edition we started stuff. to, yeah. So that's kind of how we, how we got our, our feet under us, really, to be honest with you. And now, you know, the 2017 Mule Kick that we introduced last year was, I don't remember, the production, 20,000 cigars or something like that. That is Still really not cool. a lot. Yeah. That's... No, it's not a lot. Not a lot at all. And, you know, La Creme Bellicosa Pino is only, uh, I think it's like 18,000 cigars. Yeah. And then this year's Mule Kick reiteration will be 30,000 cigars. That'll be so... cool. I'm looking forward to that big time. I am too because I've smoked a couple of the pre-releases and um, I think it's better to than the twelve or the seventeen. Oh, very so, cool. So, so the twelve and the seventeen are the same blend, same wrapper, same everything, just a five-year variance in the, in the age. Right. And then I had the idea of like, well, let's you know, Mule Kick did so well in seventeen, let's do it in eighteen, but let's fuck with it a little bit. So we changed the wrapper on it. And the wrapper change made a whole different flavor profile that I think is better than the 12 and 17. So. That's really cool. That's yeah, going to be highly anticipated, too. I you hope guys are so. just coming out with so. so much good stuff. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. We're trying to. It's, it's, it's been a busy, busy uh, first part of 18, to be honest with you. I mean, we've done, if I have to, let me try to think about this. We, we're doing Paniolo. Was, the dishes are done on that. So Paniolo's gone. It's done. Um, and then we're doing Le Carême Bellicosos Finos LE 2018. That'll be out this month. Behind that, we have another limited edition, which do you want me to? T- yeah. This will be the- yeah. Okay. It's on you. Yeah. yeah. This is a good time to bring it up. <laughs> I guess this, this will be the official announcement. That wasn't really the announcement, right? Right. Right. So we're going to do a four kicks Maduro Lancero. Yeah. So the four kicks Maduro came out and it just... I think it exceeded any of our expectations to how well it was received in the marketplace. We had originally had announced it and it was going to be shipping like in August, but we collectively decided let's hold the backs like November because that wrapper that I referenced earlier in the show, that Connecticut Abano, it yeah. needed a little bit more age. It's, 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 it's tricky to work with. And yeah. I leave that up to, you know, Ernesto or to Ernie and I'm like, Dude, you're you're driving the car, so you tell me when it's ready, right? So right. when we we delayed it, I think it it paid off, 
in fact, even that that big magazine I talked about earlier, they they just did their Cigar Insider. I think three of the Batons got 90 ratings, which yes. I was shocked. I was shocked. I I got that message when I was in Hawaii, and I was just like, really? They wow. if I give us three 90s, oh, okay, what? Do I have to send a check or something? But <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so that that did really well. So we're doing a Lancero, four kicks Maduro Lancero. That is awesome. 2018. What a great Vitola too. It is. It really is. It's it's Lancero is on this side of the fence in terms of brand owners, manufacturers, what have you. It's the most popular size that doesn't sell. Yeah. Didn't if that, that makes sense. The, yeah, right? Jericho Hill, right? It does, yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. happened with Jericho Hill. Um it's like if you make that a one and done, people will clamor to it like when we did with Headley Grange drumstick. Mm-hmm. People it, that thing sold out so quickly. And then when we did it again in seventeen, again it sold out so quickly. But if I had made that an extension to the brand, regular production, that thing was sitting on the shelves forever. That's so weird. How interesting is sit, that? Yeah, it's true. It would just sit and sit and sit. But make it a one and done, people love it. So we're doing a Four Kicks Mandero Lancero. There's your announcement. You guys are the first to hear it. Nobody's Nobody knows. It. I don't even have the packaging done on it, but the cigars are in production. There you go. It's so, a first. Yeah, man. So that'll be out April-ish, May, something like that. And then we have one behind that. And then we'll lay that up to Las Calaveras 2018. Mm-hmm. And then um, then we'll go into the trade show. So it's it's been very, very busy. And I'm, it's just probably why I'm worn down and sick. So okay. yeah, but, yeah, I'm uh, right there with you. Yeah, man. Well, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a fun year. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. And we're excited to get all this stuff out there and let everybody kind of critique it i guess i know we're personally excited for it and i know our listeners are too so um there's there's a lot coming up as you've said which is awesome and i think for our listeners now you know this was this was good information that people otherwise wouldn't know you know the stories behind each one of the each one of the um the different sticks that you come out with and it's it's good for people to get that that view inside of your thought process and the company overall so i can't thank you enough and this was been no, I, an absolute be, pleasure man thank you. you guys have been great and it's been fun to, to chat about cigars and everything but full disclosure like you know we collectively agreed to announce this was an exclusive announcement the Lancero announcement was not the announcement. We will come back. Right. Yes. In the coming weeks, right? Yeah. Right. Yes, we will come back and we will talk about what we originally <laughs> were going to talk about. Right. But things happened and it got pushed back and we weren't ready to make that announcement. So yeah, right. there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Which means so. John will be back, people. I yeah. will be back and I'm excited. So send in more questions and um, we'll answer them. And even if they're way off base like Adam's question was. <laughs> I'm gonna rub it in his head. No, we're not killing Lampiriosa, man. We're not <laughs> no 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 no. In fact I tried to get a line extension out of Lampiriosa like two years ago. I wanted to do a really cool Vitola in that and extend it, but they, they got shot down. So. No, well you still well I'm just gonna give him shit every time <laughs> I see him now. Yeah, he'll uh, I'm actually hanging out with him tomorrow so I'll make sure like that the, yeah, the next time we get on and we do the show and we do the the announcement, I I would like to know where he got that information from. I think it, I think um I think what he I think his initial thought process was and the way he explained it to me was he had read or heard something as far as 
um, the that particular line or what was the first iteration of that line, mm-hmm. which it sounds like was the Las Calaveras 2014, right? Right. Um, right. Was being dismantled and there was enough feedback from the collective community that said, please don't get rid of, which sounds like it's sort of synonymous to what you said. It just may be mm-hmm. misinformation. So Perhaps. he's kind of on track there. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that's more or less what it was. Not that not that the line no, itself was going away. I don't give a crap. I'm giving him shit. <laughs> yeah, we're still going to give him shit regardless. <laughs> Mostly be because he's a huge fan. Some but... of the rumors you hear that's oh, yeah. kind of like like when we came out with uh, the Suidad de Musica. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but uh-uh. we did a riff on Monte Cristo for Monte Cristo, which, I mean, if you think of two different things that one doesn't belong with the other, you think all to this USA, Monte Cristo. It's like you know this monster, and then here's this little tiny. Wait, you know, was this on the map. was this the recent release that you guys, the collaboration that yeah. you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, yeah. I know. Right, yeah. so we did yeah, that. Right, so but people <laughs> thought that we were being sold to all to this. Right? Oh, <laughs> literally, as soon as the announcement came out, they're like, "Did you guys sell all that?" The the fact that they kind of quote unquote anointed us with like doing a riff on Monte Cristo. Kind of uh, by the time it came out to the everybody else, it was like people were like calling us and texting us and emailing us and saying, "I heard you guys sold the Altidus." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm still living in the same house. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be nice at some point, I suppose. But um, right, yeah, no, 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 no. It was. It's, it's just interesting how things get started. Oh, Rimmer Melko spinning, man. Yeah, man. It's yeah. crazy, especially yeah, in this industry so. where someone gets a piece of information and it just, it's like the telephone game. It just snowballs from there. It and is. then the original exactly message just completely yeah. changed. That's exactly it, you know, because like I got a text from like one of our, our in house reps and he's like, Do we sell the Altus? I'm like, No. <laughs> Your own <laughs> reps. What? Yeah. My, he, he's like, Well, I just talked to so and so at such a store and they said we sold all this. I'm like, What are you fucking talking about? No, 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 no. no. We, that that that's a whole different story like how they came to approach us like hey would you guys like to do a, a riff on all or on monte cristo and i'm like what yeah you, know, you, you guys have done this with nestor placencia aj fernandez and now us it's like which one doesn't belong with the others and yeah that was very very odd and at first i my reaction to that was like no i'm not even interested this is stupid and then you know it it, it progressed and you know, we kind of came up with that. So, right. That's a whole different story. No, to yeah. be honest with you. So, but, no, that's, yeah, that's de- definitely something that, uh, we'd love to talk on the next episode. Cause I'm always <laughs> curious about collaborations because yes. there's a lot of people who are Again, doing another, it more and more, but another word, yeah, dude, another word that's like so, Oh yeah, it is. It's like, what's the difference between a collaboration and a contract brand? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what that's a good it? point. Yeah. Right. Well, what is it? Yeah. Some people are just, they're just putting two powerful it's... brand names together as opposed to private labeling someone, something's, right. you know, offering up, but essentially for all intents and purposes, it's the same. You're right. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a good point. I I have a hard time wrapping my head around that whole concept. I, I f- collaboration. I, is I just imagine a collaboration is like it, the two the two you know, you know two people in a room together, and they're just like, "What if?" The way it f- and the that's way, how it forms. The way it feels like to me is it's like music. You've got the band, and then you've got mm-hmm. the label. You've mm-hmm. got like the the record producing and distribution, like Sony, and like one helps you basically get out there and produce right. and get your shit done. And and you are the you're you're the artisan, right? You're the you're the person that kind of came up with stuff. I feel like that's kind of how a lot of the cigar industry feels, at least on that. If I was going to try to delineate the difference between collab 
and type of contract brands. That's kind of what it feels like to me is you've got the to that point though you need you okay so you got the band you got the label but you still need a songwriter oh yeah right? no absolutely people, don't, people forget that and you need somebody to write the song yeah and and the band doesn't necessarily write the song in the music industry and most <laughs> definitely most not anymore they don't right <laughs> yeah not anymore exactly right <laughs> so it, that that's where the whole line becomes very fuzzy and gray and you know you go to uh, whatever, I don't want to call it any particular collaborations in recent memory, but what's the difference between party A going to party B and saying, will you make a cigar for me? And party A going to party B and saying, let's do a collab together, but you're going to make it. Right. What's the fucking difference? Yeah. Right. I'm like, I just, I I don't know. Marketing. Yeah. I just, I just don't like a lot of people have like, uh, I've been hit with the question over the years. Like, why don't you and, and, and Pete Johnson do a collaboration? And I'm thinking, okay, because why? We both have tattoos. You know, it's like, what, is that why you find us like a synergy there? But it doesn't make any sense. There's nothing I can do to make Pete better. There's nothing Pete can do to make me better. It's right. like, so why do it? You right. know what I mean? There's got to be point. a reason. There's got to be a reason behind everything that happens. And if there's not a reason, then it's just a gimmick. Would you yeah. say like a true collaboration? So if we're talking in context of collaboration, a true collaboration would be from like farm to farm, right? Not not necessarily, uh, you know, two, uh, two people sitting in a room going, hey, could we do this together? And like you said, maybe that's all going to be constructed in the same place i mean i feel like a true collaboration would be like hey we're going to take this piece over from this farm and there's this master blender over here and we're going to take a piece from this farm over here and there's a master blender yeah. over here and then we're really going to come together like that seems could, to me that I may be the see only that right i could see that but like on a day-to-day <sighs> basis i mean everything that we've done or any other brand owners done is truly a quote-unquote collaboration in other right. words like i i come to ernesto and i say hey i want to do this with you know Habano wrapper, Nick Rockenbach, Nick Filler, and I want to use a little bit of Seiko from Jalapa to make it a little sweeter, da 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 da. And that comes together and, and goes in the blender. And when you pour it out, that becomes the collaboration. Yeah. That that to me, it's it's all a collaboration, right? Yeah, I right. Mean, I, I, but when you when you put like you know party A and party B together and say, oh, we're this is badass because we're like whatever, yada yada yada. And what what the fuck is that? Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. I mean. Uh, it makes no sense to me yeah and it's it's a really good point that you bring up too because i think a lot of people who aren't as ingrained in the industry i think sometimes realize when they hear brand or they hear manufacturer that sometimes a manufacturer isn't really a manufacturer meaning that you don't have your own factory and farm that you're growing and and Mm -hmm. um, constructing in and that you for all intents and purposes are kind of outsourcing those products that's a a contract brand right call a contract brand exactly contract somebody else to make that brand for you. I think a lot of people don't understand that that environment exists and that, hey, if you're X, Y, or Z, you have your own facilities and your own farms and that whole process. So Very good point. And I think the majority, I don't know what the percentage breakdown would be, but the majority of what everybody perceives as a domestic marketplace, whether it be Crown Heads, Tatuaya, Lusion, Warped, General, whatever. It, it, it all, it's really mostly contract brands. You've got right. some guys that are vertically integrated like Padron, right? Yeah. So Padron's going to grow their tobacco. They're going to get some from brokers. They're going to get some from their own farms. Perdomo, vertically integrated more or less. Those kind of guys. I mean, that's, you know, there's but those are the exceptions to the rule. The most part, we're all contracting somebody 
to bring our vision to fruition. Right. That's that's essentially what it all boils down to. Right. Yep. If anybody tells you any different, they're lying to you. Right. So And that's good to know. Is. That's that's good from an educational perspective. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's like we're all pulling from the same sources. You know what I mean? It's it's all the same. I mean, Central America is not that big of no. a region, right? So we're all pulling more or less from the same farms. It's just what do you brand X do differently than brand Y within this house factory Z to to process it differently, to blend it differently, to create a different flavor profile, a different uh, personality to this to the cigar. Some of that comes down to marketing. Some of it comes down to actual production. But you know, it's I mean, it's all very. It's a very thin line. Yeah, know? I don't know. That makes sense. So, so we will have you back on the show upcoming for an yes. official, <laughs> for, for another an official, 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 the official, official announcement, <laughs> yeah. uh, which yeah. will be highly anticipated. I'm sure after this episode airs on Monday, um, John, we greatly appreciate you yeah, having man. on. Thanks well, so thank much guys, for everything. Man. You guys do a great job, man. I've, I've actually like, I've, I've, I fell into the whole hot ticket thing by accident, man. I think I saw one of you guys' pictures on, uh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Was it Chris smoking yeah, in the cold in the frigid cold? Who was smoking cold? like somebody was freezing, like oh, literally, like frozen, smoking a Crown Head yeah. cigar? And I that was, was like, Chris. That's me. Okay, Chris. so yeah. I reached out and I said, "You need some." And I think I sent you so like a hat, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. And I was like, "Congratulations to you for braving the the elements or whatever." But then <laughs> I started listening to the shows and I'm like, "This is really good. You guys do a really good job. It's 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 informative, but it's entertaining, but it's not goofy. It's not like eh, you know some." It's it's tough, man, to do what you guys do and do it on an entertaining level, but an informative level as well. So I applaud you for that. Thanks, bud. We greatly appreciate it. And so we'll have you on. Uh, we'll be waiting uh, probably, we're hoping, what, in the next month or so, right? Next three oh, weeks yeah. to a month. And yeah. we'll be. Um... I can't I can't wait much more than, than a month, three weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. Neither so. can we. We're chomping at the bit, you, you, got, you, got, you got a little bit of scoop here. The Four Kicks Maduro Lens. Yeah, which is awesome. 2018, so. That is that is a little bit of a scoop, and uh, I'll send you a picture of some of the stuff that's in production. So yes, you can post please. It, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and you so. and you do a good job of posting to your Instagram. So I'm sure anything that you, I know you've thrown out some of the new La Kareem stuff. You have the 2018 not banded Las Calaveras out there. So for our listeners, stay tuned. Uh, you can always follow Crown Heads on Instagram, and they'll show. You know, you do a good job of posting all those pictures of kind of what's upcoming when you have them. So. We um, try to. I, I have fun doing that. That's actually kind of a, a fun little bit of what I do is is the social media aspect of it. I've been doing more Instagram than Twitter. I start out with more Twitter and now I'm a little bit more Instagram, but I try to get like one or two a day. Just kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and, and, and show what's going on. Yeah, we love that shit. So, yeah, it's always good. So everybody stay tuned. John, again, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on Thank the show. You guys. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Are you, you going to give away some more stuff like swag and cigars? And stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so cool. we've we've got cool. a whole. We're we're going to be announcing um, the giveaway after we uh, hang up with you, and we're going to be giving that to our collective uh, our collective winner or winners. I think just one winner of yeah. a whole bunch of goodies. And then, um, you know, everyone's going to be waiting for this uh, next episode to come up. Now everyone's going to be itching, of course. Um, so we're going <laughs> we to have to we're keep them at bay. A little bit. Yeah, there'll be, another, there'll be a big announcement, definitely. It'll be something that hasn't happened since 2015, so three years. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm working we're, on it. I'm oh, working we, on it. We're, we're waiting, and so is everyone else. So, John, thank you so much again. Thank this you has been thank awesome. Have a, have a wonderful Enjoyed weekend. It. Likewise, yeah. guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. All see right. ya. See you, John. All right. Cheers.
that was fantastic. Yeah. That was really good. Chris, how did you how did you feel about that whole interview? You know, usually I like talking over you and making an ass of myself. Yeah, usually you you are pretty good about that. Um, but like any any time you get a chance, um I wanted to learn. I really wanted to learn something. Yeah. Um I'm I don't know if any of you really know this about me, but I'm 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 a newbie for as long, for how long I've been in the cigar industry. Right. Like less than two years ish. Yeah. Which is probably <laughs> surprising to some. But yeah. the thing is, is I dove in like head first. It wasn't like tiptoe. It was yeah. like head first. You got balls deep in it. Going to learn as much as I can, smoke as much variety as possible, understand the industry. And that's, that's where I am right now. Um, I don't have the same type of years that my brother has on this. Yeah. You've got like 10 plus years. I'm a little further. Adam's yeah. like 20. But um, no, I mean, I thought that was fucking awesome. Like, it was nice to just hear some affirmative things like right. that we felt about the industry, especially around misconceptions, people. Like, this is like one of those things where we're not saying it because we're like stubborn, ignorant fucking people. Like, we truly feel that way. And I know a lot of other people feel that way. Right. And it really, it, it'll take, <coughs> it'll take a collective body of us as kind of ushers to kind of correct a lot of those misconceptions. Right. Um, and, it, and making sure that we're putting forth correct information and yeah. valid information, yeah. right? Some creating some authenticity, um, to, to everything related to cigars. The only difference is we like to add a little bit of levity to it. Something that feels kind of memeish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we take it to another degree, <laughs> yeah. uh, which obviously we hope, uh, all of you are listeners like, so this yeah. was absolutely great for us. What a wonderful experience and what a really cool guy. We hope that you guys could hear the same passion that we could hear in, in John's voice as far as what he's trying to do, what he wants to accomplish, his background and everything. Um, the informative piece of it and having that kind of dialogue was uh, super beneficial for us and hopefully it was for you as well. We do have, and we said we were going to announce it, we do have a winner of the Crown Heads giveaway, the hot ticket slash Crown Heads giveaway. Chris, why don't you do us the honor? The winner of the 2018 Crown Heads giveaway brought to you by the Hot Ticket Podcast. Woofy underscore 1911. 1911. I know it's a gun. <laughs> um, so congratulations um, to Woofy underscore 1911. You are the winner of the Crown Heads giveaway. Um, we will end up hitting you up on Instagram here shortly, probably um, end of day today, which is Monday. And uh, we'll get your address and get you all hooked up. So congratulations. Congratulations. Woofy underscore Nineteen one one. We hope you guys loved and enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Um, stay tuned. We will have John Huber back on the Hot Ticket Podcast in the coming weeks. Um, so for all intents and purposes, this is a two-parter, which is cool as shit. Could be a three-parter. Because we're spending a ton of time with this guy, which is really cool. Um, and we greatly appreciate everybody listening. Um, just a few things coming up. <coughs> we will have on episode 43... We're going to be doing a breakdown of the LFD 
how do we say it? Lavocado. Like avocado. Lavocado. 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 I put out a poll on Instagram and it was overwhelmingly yes. Review that, which we actually did the other night. So that will be upcoming on episode 43. How can you get a hold of The Hot Ticket? How can you get a hold of Corey? You can get a hold of me on Instagram at The Hot Ticket Pod. Chris, how can they get a hold of you? Man, you can get a hold of me in so many different ways. Like, I appreciate all of you started adding me on Facebook. Like, now you get in, like, my personal life. He likes Carrier Pigeon, too, for anybody who's into Carrier Pigeons. Yeah. It's a great way to get a hold of Chris uh, because he lives in a cave. But uh, you can find me trolling and, 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 and uh, trolling our Facebook group, the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction on Facebook. Yeah, cheap plug for that. Hey, guys. Hey. Keep them coming. We've got a really nice, healthy group. I'll tell you this. I love the interaction on our Facebook group. It's like I fucking hate Instagram, and I just want to put concentration into the Facebook group. I have so much fun. You you guys guys who join in, and there's some some kind of, I would say, casual smokers, and there's some of you guys. I'm telling you what. Yeah. You You put it out there. You You boys are troopers. If you think we're smart, you guys are just as smart. You, You guys really, truly kind of yeah. know your shit yeah like, so so be willing to impart your knowledge as yeah. the as the group continues to grow and uh keep it interactive man it's you guys have been awesome it's been a, it's been a lot of fun it's actually been a lot more fun than i anticipated yeah. it would have been uh where i thought it was going to be more of a chore at first it's I've, i'm having an absolute there's pleasure o- and honor doing there's it. over 200 to 300 more people <gasps> that said they wanted this fucking group and we gotta track them down and tell them that it's fucking up yep you got to if you hey if you're going to start a revolution you got to create a large faction that's yeah. what i say that's what i always say guys can um, we do a psa yeah we can we can do anything we want oh and speaking of on facebook so here and i think we've said about it in the past we're going to start doing uh live q and a's so chris and i are going to be hooking up to do live q and a's um and having general discussion so as the group gets bigger that's probably when we're going to do that so yeah. for for you who are for you guys who are listening to this that are already a part of the facebook group you know recruit people that you feel could really benefit from the imparting of knowledge between all of us collectively and the discussion as a whole yeah and um and if there's a question you ask that i don't know you're going to hear responses like oh shit i'm losing connection what did you just say <laughs> oh, oh, oh the comments weren't coming in i, I <laughs> feed over gotta go <laughs> Um, we greatly appreciate you guys. Um, one more thing, please on iTunes, if you guys could rate and review, that would be awesome. Um, it's very healthy for us to continue growing the podcast and doing and having interviews like this with John Huber. You know, this is something, a platform of which we are going to be doing more and more into the future where we're looking to bring collective manufacturers and representatives from manufacturers and having these kinds of conversations and doing something in an interactive platform where we can take questions from the listeners and ask them to our, to our, uh, to our, um, we, you guys have put us there, but we all are now in the 30s of top news yeah <laughs> in iTunes yeah which r- is bizarre to me cuz we're like a we're like a cigar oriented yeah, show yeah what's really strange is that we um we're definitely up there um but i have the feeling between like 30 and 1 is like <laughs> this like huge millions. substantial marker <laughs> just like millions yeah it's just like <laughs> outstanding so um as always we greatly appreciate everybody listening please Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We also have our podcast available on Podomatic and Stitcher and probably looking like to expand that more here in the future. So thank you all. Hope you enjoyed the show. Take care.